up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, episode 99 this week, guys. 99. It's so freaking crazy to think that it's 99 episodes in. We're just one away from 100. Right? I mean, we got some special people coming on for the 100th episode. Oh, my gosh. Big guest, Jason Ritter. Yeah. A couple huge surprises for y'all that yep. I think y'all are going to re- – of course, we'll be announcing it next week. We'll of announce course. the surprises next week to tease it. But speaking of huge, got a huge guest on today's show, too. Yeah, we really do. We really do. Catherine McAmara from Arrow and Shadow Hunters. I mean, this one was blowing up all over social oh media my gosh, when we announced yeah. this. The, and the big series finale of Arrow, yeah. like, like huge. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to talk to her. Definitely, definitely. What your hosts for this week are myself, J-Lo Fantastic, and the one and only Mal. What's up? And you know we're just going to be talking everything industry news. A lot of streaming stuff this week, guys. I mean, that's where the industry is headed towards. So, <laughs> I mean, of course we're going to be talking streaming. I, I mean, we should just rename this segment instead of industry news, just streaming wars. Streaming wars. Because it's basically all the industry news is streaming wars basically i mean it's crazy it's a lot of stuff man it's a lot of stuff but you know before we get this thing started you know we got to plug our website crazyamedia.com make sure to head over there and click on our merchandise tab to get the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear i just uploaded the new bonk so you can get new bonk and vintage bonk on a bonk bag (laughs) together vintage bonk it looks so great guys make sure to head over there and get all your latest and greatest crazy (laughs) media gear it's like superman 3 bro it's like the new bonk is like good superman and like you know vintage bonk could be the bad yeah you know know. you put them on something together and you're like "Uh uh-oh bonkers bonk Oh my goodness. But at the beginning of industry news, we have some somber news. Yeah. It's super crazy. Everybody's been talking about it all week. The passing of the late, great Kobe Bryant at the age of 41 in a helicopter crash. And we got to say, he wasn't the only one on the helicopter. I mean, I know a lot of people are like, but what about the other people? No one cares. I mean, I feel like the news and the media is doing a great job telling about the other people that were on the helicopter, honestly, because they're making an emphasis on showing that they do care. And I mean, yes, Kobe Bryant was this bigger-than-life figure, but they're also telling the stories about these other people. I mean, super crazy. It was Sunday morning uh, in Calabasas. Like I said, helicopter crash. Uh, Bryant was traveling to a youth basketball game when the crash occurred. Uh, The Orange Coast College head baseball coach uh john annabelle uh altabelli altabelli uh we know i'm bad at name guys and his wife his daughter Alyssa, and sarah chester and daughter peyton and the youth basketball coach uh christina and the pilot era zobion yeah uh, were also on the helicopter and they were also killed, which is it's just super crazy. I guys. mean, you know, first of all, you know, because a lot of people did attack about, oh, they're only talking about Kobe. They're only talking about Kobe. OK, listen, guys. First of all, I think the reason that they only talked about Kobe at first is because Kobe was the only name mentioned at first uh, on the helicopter. OK, and, uh, you know, they can they could confirm that one. Um 
there were a lot there was a lot of speculation as to who was and wasn't on the helicopter and guys i you know logan and i have a background in news you know i was a journalist i was a producer and 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 we we worked in news and guys you've got to verify these things by several sources before you could just report it or go on the air um Matt Gutman from ABC learned that the hard way. He was suspended this week because he initially ran with the story before getting it confirmed that all four of Kobe's daughters were on the helicopter with him. Mm. Now he's suspended. Yeah. You know, he had to apologize. You, know, you, you just can't run with stuff like that. Not to mention the, the total disrespect because as we, as we learned as this story progressed throughout the week, we learned that Vanessa found out about Kobe – Basically, you know, through the rumor mill before the authorities even had an opportunity to inform her about the crash and that he was involved in it. Um, Guys, they have to notify family members before they can run with releasing of names and everything. So everybody needed to just chill the fuck out about all that. Well, everybody was slamming TMZ this week. And I mean, rightfully so. It is kind of messed up when you have probably people texting you like – their condolences and everything like that and you're like what the fuck are you talking about right exactly super crazy man and i mean a lot of people are asking i mean you guys talk about movie and television news why is this in your guys' industry news well kobe is an oscar winner in 2018 he won best animated short for his short film dear basketball which he was a producer on and this was the poem that he recited when he announced his retirement right so this is why he is in industry news. He's an Oscar winner, and of course, he is a freaking basketball legend. And also, he's the first ever African American to win the best animated short film category. So yeah, of it course. was big. And of, I mean, the Academy announced, and rightfully so, that they will honor him in uh, the ceremonies coming up in a, in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, I, maybe more than just in memoriam. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but definitely in memoriam, he'll be included in that. And um, you, you know, he had a promising career. I, I read a great article about how his second act was this entertainment career. Yeah. Now, you know, a lot of people talk about LeBron all the time, but Kobe had a production company and had several projects in the works. He was working on a children's book, even. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it's a loss. It's a loss for the entertainment community, the basketball community, and just in general. And um. Yeah, we just want to pass our condolences to all the families, uh, involved in this crash and this in this tragedy. And you know, uh, it's a tough thing to get through. So. Yeah, man, tragic loss. It- really is just uh. respect the privacy vanessa posted on instagram you know a nice long post of the first public statement and just at the end of it you know after thanking everybody for all the well wishes just said hey you know we need some time to process can can we have a little privacy and exactly i think that's the best thing man agreed agreed well let's get into some lighter stuff uh, let's talk about <laughs> some fun stuff disney oh man uh, yeah do we it's always disney always uh, always disney I mean, disney rules never, the world there's never a week that it's not no. i mean Disney Plus is everywhere, watching it every day, all that good shit. Um, (laughs) The Falcon and the Winter Soldier will be premiering earlier than initially anticipated, guys. When the series was first announced, it was believed that the drama would debut on Disney Plus fall of 2020. Well, get this, the show will now premiere towards the end of the summer of 2020, around August. Yes, I'm so freaking pumped for this. Right. And then there was a release yesterday, Marvel, you know, released a little promo for, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but, and everybody's freaking out, oh, 
because mm-hmm. it, it was a badass picture. Yeah. But I think it was for the comic book limited series, yeah. not the TV show, yeah, you know, like although, but, but I mean, it was a badass picture. Yeah. So people were freaking out about it and all that. I'm super excited, man. And in WandaVision, there's rumors the WandaVision trailer is going to drop during the Super Bowl and that that's going to hit earlier than anticipated. And uh, yeah, dude, they're, I'm ramped up. And yeah. rightfully so. You think they're trying to make amends because they've canceled all this other stuff, right. like Howard like, the Duck and all the, oh, shit, we better get our stuff out there, you know? I don't yeah. know. Well, I don't know. I'm, also, I think it's probably because it's been so slow this year for Marvel. The only one they have really coming out is Black Widow. Yeah. So, I mean, yep. they were like, might as well push this other stuff up, especially if they feel like it's ready. So, I mean, yeah. I'm excited for it. I can't wait to see what happens mm-hmm. and what to see a uh, new characters that they unveil in yeah. the series yeah and and we should say I, I just want to bring this up since we're talking marvel because i thought this was hilarious last night we went to go see a movie last night guys and they had the morbius trailer yeah which by the way looks badass it looks like it's going to be awesome jared leto looks creepy as fuck um but they said <laughs> it pops up on the screen and it says from the people who brought you spider-man homecoming and spider-man far from home and i'm like what the fuck from the studio that brought you that that way you distributed it marvel made those yeah, movies exactly. like you know what the fuck yeah but the one thing though and, and you kind of see michael keaton spoiler at the end of that trailer which implies that they are definitely guys connecting yeah. the mcu to the sony spider-man universe so i don't think we're going to hear many more talks about tom holland not being yeah. in the mcu yeah. or vice versa i think they've come to some sort of just in my opinion, because they haven't announced this, but I think they have come to some sort of an agreement that the, they are going to merge these two universes, mm-hmm. and it's going to be badass. Yeah, definitely. Just yeah. saying. But I don't think they should keep putting that up on the screen until, yeah. you know, just from the studio that brought you this and this in association with the other studio that actually made right. it. I'm like, just saying. They were made on Disney's lot. Like, <laughs> yeah, get out of here, man. Just come on now. So but good. anyway, it was kind of funny. Hell yeah. Miramax. Hell yeah. This new company. That, <laughs> that too. I just, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just go. <laughs> Oh my goodness, what happened? Uh, so much stuff at the movies last night, I yeah, don't know. Uh, more stuff about Disney+. Plus. They're bringing back an ABC fantasy competition reality series, The Quest, with executive producers of Queer Eye, The Amazing Race, and The Lord of the Rings film trilogy. Uh, they have also ordered an adventure competition uh, series, The Maze, and an untitled Pixar series, the chef's table producers of the Supper Club and National Geographic's meet chips. So it's going to be interesting, guys. they got a lot of stuff coming up. Yeah, they're hammering down on the reality TV series stuff. I mean, makes sense. It's popular. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know when this fad is going to die. I guess you can't even call it a fad anymore because it's been around for 20-plus years. Exactly. But for whatever reason, people are just like – hooked on that reality shit yeah and you know i use the term reality loosely because you know 90 percent of the shit that happens on that reality show is scripted yeah so you know reality take it loosely but i mean it makes sense that disney's gonna try to jump on it obviously these are all gonna be family friendly reality shows not gonna be like big brother and shit but um you know 
It, it's interesting. I mean, I watched the Gordon Ramsay one they have on there, and it, it's funny. Uh, they definitely bleep all of his fuck. Oh, um, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like basically about him going around the world and trying different like tribes and different people's food that they just take from the earth, which is pretty cool. But he has to go through some crazy shit, like climbing up some mountains, and he's like, "Holy fuck!" But it's holy bleep, and it, it's just pretty funny. Yeah, thing. yeah. That's definitely two words that I do not associate with Gordon Ramsay. Right, family friendly no (laughs) (laughs) like i don't even know how that deal went down he's like you're just gonna have to bleep it because i can't stop saying it so it's just i don't know but Uh, it is there's some great stuff on there though man there's some great stuff on there seriously this next one's kind of interesting though i mean ron howard the man himself ronnie howard uh said that disney plus still hasn't made a final decision as of yet they will um on the sequel series of the 1988 fantasy feature Widow, uh, Howard Ooh, Willow, Willow, Willow. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> Widow. That's a whole different movie. <laughs> hey, hold on, hold on, time out. Uh, Howard said that the scripts for the projects are pretty much complete. And that a big yes from Disney was yet to come their way, saying they were working on it, but has still not been greenlit. Yeah, this has long been in development. There's long been talk of a sequel movie and or a series. Uh, you know, fans are rabid about trying to get it made because Willow was a huge hit back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's say back in the day. Yeah, I have 80, no 80s. No, no. It's yeah. okay that you said Widow because you weren't even around exactly. when Willow was out. So yeah. it's okay. No idea. Um, but but it's, it's a huge, epic, grand fantasy film that was like a huge hit for Ron Howard. Mm. And um, like I said, basically since it came out, people have been wanting the sequel and everything. I think it's a good idea to move the series, not a film. Yeah. Uh, I think it would do really well on Disney+. Plus. So and apparently he's got everything like you said good to go. He's just waiting for the green light, and I think um, that's going to happen. Yeah. I, I think Disney's smart enough. You know, Willow was was a pretty big hit. Yeah. So I think they're going to green light this thing. We'll keep our eye on it. Yeah. But if Ronnie says it's good to go, then it's good to What's go. What's the premise? Is it family friendly? I mean, obviously. oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, hugely family friendly. Um, think um. <sighs> Princess Bride meets Lord of the Rings type of a thing. What the fuck? Um, yeah, 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 I'm just, I'm just saying it, it, it's, it's very back in the day epic yeah. sort of tale, you mm. know. Um, it's it beyond family friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll you'll have to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Like it's 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 definitely. I think you'll like it. Yeah. I honestly think you and Little Cam would like it. Yeah, so I mean, we'll see. Let's but it's see. definitely it's definitely family friendly. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Well, this next one I'm pretty excited about because well-deserved, honestly. Uh, the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend co-creator, uh, Aline Brosh McKenna, has signed a three-year overall deal uh, with ABC Studios. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we should, This should just be standard now. Under the pack, yeah, she'll exactly. develop projects on all the platforms, including TV and and Disney+. Plus. Um, yeah, <laughs> it seems exactly. to be, you know when they sign the deal what they're doing, guys. They're creating projects for the streaming services. Basically. Um, so, yeah, all kidding aside, though, she will do for ABC Studios and uh, television studios. Um the first project, I guess, has already been set up uh, under the deal, and it's a comedy hit, which is in development at Hulu, mm. So, um, which is also part of also the streaming Disney, deal with yeah. Disney. Yeah. <laughs> so um, 
Yeah, yeah, kudos. I mean, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was a huge hit, mm-hmm. and uh, she's a she's a great showrunner and a creative writer. So I think that that again, like we said at the top of the show, this is all streaming wars, guys. Anytime we report one of these things, they're cherry picking people or trying to find. You said it perfectly on last week's show. They're trying to find the best talent to push forward these streaming services because exactly. they need content, and exactly. so they're they're trying to find proven successes. To provide content, and that, yeah. and so kudos to her, man. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, we're seeing a big actor coming back to the small screen. Uh, let's talk about it a little bit. True Detective creator uh, Nick Pizzolatto. 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 And uh, one of the hit HBO anthology series original stars, Matthew McConaughey, are reuniting for Redeemer, yes. a drama series headlined by the Oscar winner, which has landed a scripted series commitment at fx yes yes and again we should say here it here it is again pizzlato uh has an overall production deal at fox 21 uh television studios and productions which is disney owned guys um and mcconaughey closed a first look production deal with uh fx and 20th tv <laughs> I was about to say, is it oh, now just uh We're just gonna go with it. We're just gonna go with it. No all, Fox. all of the trades did not say Fox, so we're just gonna go twentieth TV. There you go. Um so uh it only made sense if, if McConaughey has a deal with Fox and and, and Pizzolato Pizzolatato. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. What we're recording early today. It's okay. Um if they both have deals with Fox, it only made sense. Yeah. So. I mean, of course, of course. The Matthew McConaughey, great actor. I mean, saw him in the gentleman last night. Oh, we were referencing that one. Pretty gosh. good film, man. Pretty good film. Yes. Guy Ritchie, man, one of his best for sure. Agreed. Agreed. Oh boy, now heading over to Warner Media and we got some <laughs> Big news there. <laughs> I, I love the one it's the one of me because the the first two stories involving Warner Media are movies. Yeah. One we're really excited about, one when we were talking off air, we're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Why? So <laughs> but first you wanna let's do the excited one. Like, the excited like, one. Uh, Robert Pattinson's The Batman. Matt Reeves The Batman is officially underway. They started yes. filming in London. Uh, story-wise, the film is starting afresh and not carrying on from Ben Affleck's work as the character. Uh, plot details on the movie are uh, underway at the moment. We do not know. So, yeah, I mean, pretty... of course, we, we know the Riddler and uh, the Penguin are in it. And Catwoman. And Catwoman. Zoe Kravitz, yeah. So, so... I mean, like you said, it's going to be that... Uh, that one Batman. Yeah, yeah, pretty <laughs> early Batman. I yeah. think I think it's going to be. I mean, from everything we're hearing, it, it's going to be more of a detective story than an action story. Pattison even took some heat. Yeah. Over the past few weeks, because he said that Batman, this Batman, is not a superhero, mm. and and he was, I think, implying to the storyline that it was more of a detective story and kind of like this noir, you know. Yeah caper and uh he took some heat people Mm. were like lit him up about batman's a fucking superhero don't say he's not a superhero you know so he came out and said all right batman's a superhero shit (laughs) like you know this poor guy just gets hammered everything he says but um I'm excited. Yeah. It's officially underway. Zoe Kravitz is going to be epic as Catwoman, and I, I, I just think, you know, it's going to be a great cat. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited I, for it. I mean, to predict the future a little bit, I feel like it's probably going to get hammered because it's not 
all action maybe a little bit like superman returns if not a little less obviously um just because they're expecting it to be like christian bale or like the other ones before yeah, it so yeah. i mean i hope not yeah. i hope the audiences are refined enough to appreciate what it is yeah like joker yeah I mean, joker was like that one, a so. hardcore character analysis driven drama dialogue it was by no means an action flick or no. a super villain type you know it was so it was a character study film exactly so i'm hoping that they can understand that going into what we think this batman is going to be a very character study driven film about who he is and where he comes from and and uh, you know so i don't know i mean uh, warner brothers has dated this one for june 25th 2021 yes that's that's when you can go see it not far not far no man not far and not far from death um it is a few people Uh, on this next one yeah this one i don't know why you why do you announce batman and then announce this one it just doesn't make sense to me guys what do you okay lethal weapon yeah yeah Uh, you were barely (laughs) alive barely the last time a lethal weapon was in the theaters. Yeah. You okay? Apparently, guys, they're talking about a fifth one. Mm. They're developing – Warner Brothers is apparently developing a fifth and, as they say, final lethal weapon movie. Well, mm. I would think so since almost everybody's near, you know, the nursing home. Yeah. Um. Although, according to producer Dan Lin, who, by the way, was the executive producer on Lethal Weapon, the TV show – Okay, according to him, Dan Lin, he says that Richard Donner, Mel Gibson, and Danny Glover are all good to go. They're all coming back, and now it's all about shoring up the script and getting the script ready. Um, Warner Brothers said they haven't greenlit the project yet, but it is in development and appears to be moving forward. Mm. So... No, I don't agree. I don't agree. I, I mean, is Pesci coming back? Right. I hope this thing just doesn't move No. Forward. Is Anne Russo coming back? Like, I don't understand what the storyline could possibly be. Like, I, I just, I don't understand. Yeah, and I mean, we were comparing it to freaking um, the latest Rambo, Last Blood, or, yeah. or Terminator. Like, Terminator would be the high end of its success and last blood i think it's going to be around like that area around the 20 yeah. million it's like somewhat of a success but obviously not the success they would want after probably spending out boatloads of money on effects and ac- action sequences and shit like that exactly so, i, I just... think this has been in the development drawer forever yeah and then mel gibson had a nice little comeback you know, the past couple of years, and then Danny Glover saw a resurgence after Jumanji, and I think some, I don't know, overly ambitious idiot pulled it back out of the drawer and said, yeah. guys, these guys are good again. Let's make a movie. Like, and, yeah, no. Let's not. No, no. I mean, we saw how little Danny Glover was actually in Jumanji next I, level. That's, so. that's what I'm saying. I, I just, I mean, I don't think he's... I don't I, I don't know. Mel should stick to directing yeah. and Danny should retire. And then the, like he does so much charity work with, with boys and girls clubs and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Just we don't need a lethal weapon five. No. I agree. We don't we don't need a lethal weapon five. Freaking crazy, man. But uh this next one, AT and T comes out and talks about the con or the money they are spending on their content for HBO Max. I mean in the fourth quarter they said uh four point six billion with a B 
dollars. Oh my goodness! I yeah. mean, they're spending almost Netflix money. Not quite, but almost. Yeah, and I, I mean, it, the money, the money, the money is flying out. Yeah. Uh, it's it's revenue slowed down a little bit because they are spending so much money. Yeah. Um, but. I mean, he made. It, oh, excuse me, guys. Got the little sniffles this morning. Stanky did say that that he understands where it's at, though. A lot of that money is being spent on on focusing um their content. He said programming at T, TNT and TBS is going to shift to more unscripted programming, more reality type stuff, more real stuff, um because those networks are beginning to suffer in the ratings. And he says that the reason they're focusing all their money on HBO Max is because he understands this is quote understands that how the things are shifting in the industry. Mm-hmm. So like we said streaming guys it's exactly. all about these streaming platforms now i mean regular networks they're in trouble i think yeah agreed man so, agreed i mean we saw it at the golden globes the emmys i mean cable is not getting network is not getting the recognition that it had in the past like no. it's going all towards the streaming i mean amazon prime is a huge example of that i mean miss mazel and now fleabag like they're just killing it bringing in all the awards everybody's streaming basically whenever they want to so i mean they really don't like the scheduled programming anymore no no it, it's i don't know i i would be shocked if we don't see the end of broadcast television sometime in our lifetime. I mean, within yeah. the next decade or so, yeah. I could see it really broadcast television taking a dive and it just all go to streamers. Yeah. I can, I can see that. And Agreed. Agreed, man. It's crazy. Uh, this next one, Viola Davis and Julius Tennant's Javi uh, production is teaming up with HBO to develop a comedy, House of Chow, with Ken Chen. Uh, from Wilfred and Betas, uh, yep. who wrote the pilot and will serve as executive producer alongside head of TV development, uh, Javi Andrew Yang, and the pilot director, Jude Yang, uh, Davis, and Tenen will also serve as EPs on the project. Yeah, and apparently this is loosely based on uh, his real life with yeah. his experience with the restaurant and, and different. So, uh, I mean, but Viola Davis... That's a hit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you attach Viola Davis, it's a hit. So uh, <laughs> I think kudos to we, – we talk about this every week. I, I think your two dominant players in the new Hollywood are Disney and AT&T. Yeah. Um, which – I hate that moniker. They, I think they should just change it to, to Warner Media. Warner Media is now all the entertainment part of AT&T. Yeah. But I think they should just – Call the company Warner Media. Fuck, yeah. fuck AT and T. But um, don't cut my phone off. Yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think that's your they're two listening. dominant players. Yeah. And I mean, because they're making all the moves, they're getting all the content, and they've got the biggest platforms. I think to put it all out there. So, oh, man. I, I, mm, yeah. Mm, I mean, they've been weeding through some shit. I mean, this next one, Warner Media, HBO's Max streaming service has choose not to move forward with uh, Delilah. It's a half-hour comedy starring Jessica Routh and Aaron Kaplan's yeah. uh, Capital Entertainment. 
Yeah, and and this this one shocked me because this one was in a huge bidding war yeah. between all of the streamers. Everybody was like actively trying to pursue this one, and and you know Warner Media got it for HBO Max, and now for whatever reason, and there wasn't a whole lot of detail to this, said eh, we're just not going to do it. Yeah. So I'm wondering if another streamer is going to go after it since there was such a big bidding war for this one. Um, that'll be interesting to see, but there, there's. Always, when they never say why they dumped out of it, you're always curious. You know, yeah, like definitely. what what made you go after it in the first place, and what had to happen to make you go, "Nah, we're not going to do it." Yeah, and I mean, since they started, or since they, it seems like didn't start production. Um, do they not have to pay out the money to them, or will they have to pay out? Money I don't know that. Yeah, if it was a pay or play deal, they're they're paying. Yeah. you know. So I, I don't know. Apparently, it is being shopped to other streamers. So whether they go after it again or not, I do not know. But it's always risky because I feel like they give these straight to series orders, uh-huh. and then, like you said, if it never goes into development, but you've given the order, I mean, a lot of times you are on the hook to have to pay for that, and. I don't know, man. Man, that's just more money you're spending that fourth quarter. Yeah. This next one, though, Walt, Walton Goggins. If you guys watch Justified or damn near anything, you you know who he is. Uh, he he, brilliant actor. He has been cast as the lead in Fat Man. It's a dark action comedy with Mel Gibson. No. There you go, Mel Gibson. Who's <laughs> Okay. Yes, I'm not making this up. This is true. Mel Gibson will be playing Santa Claus. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Yes, Mel Gibson as Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. Goggins is going to be uh, reunited um, with Rough House Pictures, which produced uh, HBO's Vice Principals and uh, produces The Righteous Gemstones with our buddy James Dumont. Um, and Okay, here's, here's the storyline for, for Mel Gibson's Santa Claus. Fat Man centers on a neglected and precocious 12-year-old who hires an unorthodox hitman to kill Santa what the hell? after receiving a lump of coal in his stocking. Oh. Shit. I'm guessing Walt is going to play the hitman? Yeah. Um, He's always good at playing the bad guy. He especially is. Especially in like, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. He was really good yeah, at that exactly, one. Yeah, like, exactly. Mm. Exactly. He, he's, he's that guy. He's that shady guy. Yeah. Soap operas, man. He started in soap operas really? way back in wow. the day. A lot of people like, you know, I don't know, you know. And, and uh, Jason Warner Smith tells a great story about them working at a, like a curtain shop and stuff in Hollywood when wow. they first got out there. Yeah. yeah, great stuff, man. This guy's awesome. He's pretty epic. Um a sharp shooting hitman who works at a toy store. <laughs> and I, oh my I, enough said on that. Yeah. I, I mean, I just knocked maybe that Mel should stay directing. This one actually sounds pretty funny though. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. Santa's going to be an action hero. Right. I, just, like, what I, the don't, fuck? I don't even know, man. Okay. So funny. Oh. I mean, we do ask for original ideas and this sounds like an original idea. It's so. definitely, um, who would kill Santa? I know. It's just, oh my gosh. Okay. Here we go. More cherry picking, right? Yep. The CW executive rick haskins has been promoted to the role of president of streaming and chief branding officer mm, makes sense yeah he's been at viacom cbs slash warner media joint venture which is the cw guys um they both own it both have a piece in it since uh 2006 when it was formed so there you go 
Um, he will continue overseeing all the network's branding and marketing and promotion efforts, uh, as well as guiding the strategy for their streaming platforms. Um, CW Seed is pretty badass. Yeah. If you guys haven't checked it out yet, it's a free service. It does have some ads on it, but it's free. But it's got some epic shows, man. A lot of animated stuff, and they've got a Deathstroke series coming out That's cool. that just looks like badass. Yeah. Um. So this guy, it, yeah, for all you, I mean, Supernatural, Arrow, like all all the Arrowverse stuff, um, all the huge shows. He's the guy that pushes all that marketing and yeah. keeps those shows exactly. going. And I mean, he's he's. Yeah, and I mean, you see that stuff everywhere, especially with Crisis on Infinite Wars that just happened, or Infinite Earths, whatever, just happened um, everywhere. Arrow season finale, series finale, actually, just everywhere. Like, it makes sense. I mean, he's well-deserved it. Yeah, I mean, mean, and I think he's going to continue, and now he's going to have to cross-promote because they are sure showing that there's going to be some stuff going on with cw and hbo max and the dc universe yeah. all warner media owned guys all at&t owned um so this guy's gonna be busy i think yeah seriously man <laughs> super crazy super crazy and i mean speaking of the series finale of arrow oh my goodness guys it pulled in around 700,000 viewers, almost um, 750,000. I mean, super crazy. It makes sense, though, because it's been one of the highest viewed episodes of, like, the entire run right 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 and and it matched last week's uh green arrow and the canaries backdoor pilot episode which was the highest rated episode of the season other than the crossovers the crossovers are always huge yeah um so it was a nice farewell i i thought it was brilliantly done um it, it was a nice homage to not only the show but to the fans. One of those rare occurrences where a series ends and the fans would be satisfied. Yeah. Like, I thought it ended just really well. And it most definitely carried on from last week's Backdoor Pilot, um, which we're really excited about because our guest today, Catherine McNamara, she's going to be the star of that new show. Yeah. Um, so, Green Arrow and the Canaries. Um, it carried that on. It definitely sets that up and moves it forward. And... um. Should I drop this spoiler? Fuck it. I'm dropping the spoiler. <laughs> if you guys didn't see it, talking about paying off for the fans, Diggle, our boy Diggle, got the ring, guys. You know what ring I'm talking about. He, he, he's got the Green Lantern ring. Holy shit. Yeah. Watch it if you haven't watched it. It's fucking badass. I just, I, it's going to be interesting, man. Is he going to get his own show? Is he going to show up in that other Green Lantern series? What's happening? See, that's interesting because um, Berlanti... And uh, Guggenheim, they were talking about they, – they said that they have had a lot of talks with David Ramsey behind the scenes about carrying on the character in, in different aspects. And they have a lot of ideas for it, but nothing had been specifically locked down. Yeah. And Guggenheim said, hey, look, we're not in charge of – you know, well, he said he's not. Obviously, yeah. Berlanti is, but he's not in charge of the the Green Arrow series that's yeah. coming to HBO Max, so he doesn't know. He can't definitively say yes or no. But they also set up part of the storyline in the finale of Arrow was that Diggle and his family were moving to Metropolis. Mm. So now, of course, that started rumors everywhere yeah, that maybe he's going to show up on Supergirl yeah. and or remember they announced a new Superman and Lois Lane series. Yeah. Um, so possibly Diggle is going to show up in that series. Yeah. Um, the the big question is is if he shows up in either one of those series, Supergirl or Superman and Lois, is he going to be Green Lantern? Are they going to use him as Green Lantern? Right. Um, 
So I don't know, man. I don't know. But in Crisis, they did show OA and, and the Guardians. So, I mean, they very specifically set up that it would be involved in and or, you know, with the new series coming to HBO Max. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. I know a lot of people are excited about it to continue on in the Arrowverse, not the Flashverse. In That's the right. Arrowverse. So, <laughs> All uh, this talk about changing the name. Come on, man. I know. The guy had a panic attack and damn near breakdown because of the stress of carrying this universe on his back. You got to keep calling it the Arrowverse, man. The exactly. guy built it, okay? Exactly. A lot of really talented people and castmates and a lot of awesome characters and everything. But it started with Stephen Amell and Arrow. Exactly. So Arrowverse, guys. Don't, exactly. Don't change the name. Exactly. Now, next, from the studio that was the <laughs> distributor of Spider-Man, um, Jathan, Jason Statham and Kevin Hart are in talks to star in The Man from Toronto, which is being directed by the Expendables 3 director and the Hitman's bodyguard, Helmer, Patrick Hughes. The action comedy is slated for release November 20th by Sony Pictures. Yeah, um, yeah. Here's the premise, guys. Uh, what happens when the world's deadliest assassins, known as the Man from Toronto, and Teddy, New York's biggest screw-up, <laughs> <laughs> are mistaken for each other in a rented Airbnb. Uh, <laughs> now, how, oh, how are you going to mistake Kevin Hart for Jason Statham? I know. I mean, like, it's got to be a, like a name mistaken identity yeah, exactly. type thing. But yeah, you know this is going to be hilarious. If you guys saw Hobbs and Shaw and, and, and Kevin Hart's little cameo in that, his interaction back and forth with Statham just in the bathroom yeah. and the plane scene... Like, like this is going to be fucking hilarious. Yeah. This is going to be really good. I kind of like how Jathan Statham is, like, stepping out of his comfort zone of the action, the martial arts, all that good stuff into this new comedy realm. Because, I mean, not a lot of people do that. Some people find their niche and they just stay back in their little bubble. So it's kind of cool to go past that and see what new things have the, to offer, especially opportunities with Kevin Hart. I mean, come on now. Well, you know who I credit for the resurgence in that and for a lot of these guys leaving the comfort zone and trying it? The Rock. Yeah, honestly. Because The Rock was like this big action star who then all of a sudden made these couple comedy movies and now he's somehow successfully found a way to merge like his I'm The Rock, I can kick your ass, but also be really funny in exactly. these movies. And so I, I – you know, and it really you got to go back to Arnold – I mean, was the first guy, I feel like, that came out of his action yeah. stance and did a couple comedies, twins and stuff, and yeah. really said to these big action stars, hey, you can you can kick you ass can and it. be funny. Exactly. So, I just, yeah, but, but definitely I think the current resurgence is thanks to The Rock. Yeah. You see Batista doing it, and yeah. like now Statham, and like, hey, we can be funny too, exactly. you know? Exactly. So, it's and awesome. it's working. I love it. I think yeah. these movies are great. Exactly. So. It's awesome to see. Um, Sony is also tooling with the idea for the franchise reboot of The Crow. Oh, uh, I know, right? I'm not excited about this one. No. Um, <laughs> placing the project back into active development. And there are now writers, directors, and actors who are t currently attached to this virgin 
version of the project. <laughs> uh, there's no official timeline of the reboot or um, of the new project yet. Uh, yeah, no, um, no. Uh, I mean, it would basically take sacrificing one to get this made. I exactly. think. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm talking, man. Um, yeah, it, it's just guys. This has been in and out of development for years. This is one where I think you just need to let it lie. Yeah. Um. I think this is one of those projects that is just like cursed. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and look, they finished the crow. Okay. Yeah. Even with 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 Brandon dying and all the kind of stuff. Just just let that be the legacy. Mm-hmm. I just think to try to come back and revisit it, you're not going to get a better crow than Brandon, in my opinion. And and it just it should be left alone. I just yeah. there are certain things you shouldn't go back and revisit and agreed man agreed i mean it's i mean at some uh, i mean in some sense do you feel like it's disrespectful i do because i mean he this was the one that he was trying to branch out and become like his own person trying to separate himself from his father so i mean i feel like it, it is somewhat disrespectful i felt like it was respectful to finish the crow but I mean, to go back to it, I feel like, is unneeded. It is. It, it's completely unneeded. Um, and jumping over to Viacom CBS, and speaking of things that might be unneeded, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paramount is developing two new, wait for it, Transformers movies. Yeah. That's right. These, <laughs> these franchise that will not die. Um, of the two projects, one by Independence Day Resurgence writer James Vanderbilt, and the other one's going to be done by John Wick, Chapter 3 executive producer and Army of the Dead scribe Joby Harold. Yeah. Um, okay, the second one by Joby Harold, it's going to be based in the Bumblebee universe. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with this. If you're going to keep just you know hammering this nail, I'm okay with this one because I really enjoyed Bumblebee. Yeah. Um, it it's good. kind of a prequel to the Shia LaBeouf Transformers movies and eventually leads up to the Shia LaBeouf movies. So if you're going to continue that, I think it would be pretty cool. It was epic to see like actual old school Optimus Prime right. at the end of the movie and everything. Yeah. Um, kind of a thing. Um, so if you're going to just keep doing it all right that one's okay this the other one though yeah unneeded (laughs) yeah the vanderbilt one that one's going to be based on the beast wars transformers Mm. beast wars i hated the fucking cartoon so i'm definitely not wanting to go see the movie yeah um i just it is that necessary do we need a transformers movies about transformers that like turn into animals and what i mean what's the premise of that one gonna fucking right? be like like <laughs> i don't even just i don't get it i don't yeah, understand yeah. like our opinion not needed i'm just saying I yeah don't. no no just you know stick with the bumblebee stuff and like you know exactly and look do a couple more of those, get it up to the Shia LaBeouf first Transformers movie, and then stop. That that's my opinion. Exactly, that's my opinion. So you got you know two, three more in you to get it to Shia LaBeouf's movie, and then stop. Exactly. All right, that's just you know that's just me though. But I mean the whole thing's franchises now. That everybody's trying to mimic Marvel. So. Yeah, it's true. They want to build these universes. I mean, yeah. remember, there's all kinds of talk of taking other Hasbro stuff and merging it into the Transformers universe. Like all the like no. Just don't. Don't. 
don't. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> Nobody wants to see G.I. Joe and the Transformers together. No. Well, okay, maybe somebody does, but not the majority of the people don't. We don't want to see it. Oh, don't do goodness. it. Oh, my goodness. So this next one's kind of exciting because I love this guy. Uh, Ray Romano has booked a guest star appearance on Pop TV's One Day at a Time. Yeah, this, uh, this one shocked me. Yeah. I'm like, you know, Netflix bailed on One Day at a Time. Mm-hmm. Shows up on Pop. How many people even have Pop? Exactly. So to land Ray Romano, I yeah. was like, what the fuck? Right. What? Yeah. More people will have Pop now. Yeah. I, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely something to attract them to the series and to the network. Um, yeah. Romano will appear in the premiere episode of season four as Brian, a 2020 U.S. census taker who takes the Alvarez household to an inner art. He interviews the family. Right. So it's going to be interesting, man. I, I don't know if anybody else has seen his appearances on uh, James Corden and Jimmy Kimmel, where he literally asks random girls out for his sons because both of his sons yeah. either work for Kimmel or Corden as producers. So interesting. He brings them out and asks girls that are in the audience on a date for their sons. It's so freaking funny, it's, and it's crazy know. how strong their genes are too, because they look exactly like Ray. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I uh, but like you said, I love Ray Romano. Yeah, I think he's just one of those brilliant dry comics. Yeah, you know, he's just very dry, exactly. just very real, but it's funny as shit. Yeah, I mean, the only person that i would have put above him was uh jason ritter in parenthood I yeah, wanted. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 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 not a fan neither of us is a fan that jason ritter didn't win that battle between ray romano yeah. for lauren graham's heart and parenthood right like right? i liked ray romano's character don't get me wrong but I really like the chemistry. You only liked that... him because he was a photographer. I, I, mean, I think that's the only I mean, reason you like <laughs> He was a good dude. He was a good dude. He was a good dude, but so is Jason Ritter. I'm just saying, man. Oh, my goodness. Tease the little 100th episode. Jason yeah, he talks talk about, about that. Yeah. <laughs> he talks about that, and it's pretty funny, man. It, yeah, it's, yeah. it's good stuff. Oh, you're happy about this next one, right? Very Matt LeBlanc. So. The Even friend. more so to try to get him on the show. Yes, <laughs> yes, even more so. Uh, Man with a plan. As yeah. you guys know, he's had a hit with that for the he last has. few years, and it's been renewed, coming back for season four. Um, and uh, a new sitcom, Broke, starring Jamie Camel and Polly Perrette. Both are going to join the schedule on April 2nd. So, Man with a Plan coming back for the fourth season. That's awesome. Yeah, good for him, man. I mean, steady work. That's all that matters. And, I mean, he seemed to have found his niche in the TV game. He has. He has. So, good for him. I mean, continued success. He deserves it. Come on the show, man. Definitely, definitely. I mean, and I was happy because, you know, Joey missed. Yeah. You know, the spinoff kind of, you know, so, and it took a couple of tries for him to find something that clicked, but yeah. it's good to see him back on and, and having so much success with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This next one's kind of interesting because, I mean, uh, I mean, the Denzel Washington, the Equalizer series, like the two, were pretty decent, but now CBS has given a green light to a series that's going to star Queen Latifah. Yeah. Remember, we talked about this on a... I, whew. Well, I don't even ago. know how many episodes. When they first talked about it being into development, yeah. apparently CBS liked what they saw, so they're green lighting it to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, for anybody who doesn't know, Logan, 
because uh, he's a youngin. This show was way back, like or, you know, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. It was about an old white guy, yeah. old white guy that was the equalizer, and so it was reimagined with Denzel Washington. You know, all those years later in the movies, and now it's being reimagined again with Queen Latifah. Yeah, right. Um, I don't know. I I was in, in the the TV show was okay. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a can't miss television by any means, but um. I liked the films. I really liked the yeah, Denzel Washington films. Too. So um, I loved his interpretation of the character, and I mean their background, like his story background with his family. Like, yeah, yeah, I loved yeah. all that. Yeah, exactly. And and the second one did pretty well, just yeah. like the first one. So I'm kind of wondering why they chose to go the TV route with it, or and not right. just keep making more movies. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, good good for Queen Latifah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been given a uh, big pilot production commitment. Um, it's considered a shoe in, they say, for a pickup. Ah. Um, so I guess they did like, you know, kind of the whole premise or, you know, was just, I don't know. Yeah. My question is, I haven't seen many details. Is she going to be yeah, playing right. the character that Denzel played? Or is it like, you know, a different character that's yeah. like in this world, exactly. like that's somehow connected? Because it would be badass if it's like maybe a different character and Denzel shows up. That'd be cool. Like, you know, yeah. kind of a thing. Maybe they're all connected in Denzel's world here. Exactly. And it's, you know, more of a spinoff as opposed to a reboot. Yeah. That would be cool. Definitely. But I don't know. We don't we don't know yet. Right. Right. All speculation. I mean, yeah, exactly. Other big notable names making TV deals. Jessica Biel is moving on her overall TV deal. The actress and producer's uh, Iron Ocean Productions banner has signed a two-year first look deal for Paramount Television. And the company's previous overall deal was with Universal Content Productions. Under the Paramount Pact, uh, Bill and her partners will create and develop scripted television yep. projects for the studio. Yep, yep. I, it makes you wonder, though, why she bailed from Universal and yep. jumped to Paramount. So yeah. um, that's interesting. Creative we, differences, as they all say. <laughs> we like Jessica, though. And, um, you know, so we should say her company, you know, Sinners on USA, the company was behind the creation of that. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, they've, they've had some hits. Yeah. So we'll see what she does over at Paramount. Definitely, definitely. And I mean, I mean... Can something be saved? I don't know if this one can be saved. <laughs> I, don't, I, I liked Saved by the Bell, so I'm I did too. I'm I'm excited about this, and then yet skeptical yeah. about it because you just don't know. Is no. it gonna? Sometimes you know. Remember Saved by the Bell, the college year. So yeah, I was not a fan of no, that. And I wasn't so... a fan of like the getting married in Vegas movie or whatever. Like no, it, no, the, just the high school ones. Just the high school. ones. Yeah. But as you guys know, because we've talked about it, the Peacock, uh, insert worst name for streamer, um, has rounded out its cast for the upcoming Saved by the Bell reboot. Yep. In case you guys hadn't heard, they are rebooting this for Peacock. Zach is now the governor of California. Right. He's got a kid. Um, so they're, they, they've rounded out the cast. They're adding Haskiri Velasquez from The Birch, Mitchell Hogg from Harriet. Alicia Pasquel Pena from Chase and Belmont Camelli from Empire. Mm. Uh, Vesquelis plays Daisy. 
a smart, ambitious sophomore who's excited at the prospect of attending Bayside High right. um, after her local school gets shut down. Hogg plays Mac Morris, yes, Zach's son, the handsome, charming, privileged son of Governor Zach Morris. Pasquale Pena plays Aisha, Daisy's fun-loving but ultra-competitive best friend. Um, she grew up playing on boys' sports teams and causes a stir when she tries to play football at Bayside. And Camelli plays Jamie Spano, captain of the Bayside football team, and Jesse Spano's, yes, Elizabeth Berkeley's coming back, uh, sensitive man-child son. Oh, okay. oh, Slater's going to give her shit for that. Yeah, Mario Lopez is also coming back, guys. Um, as I said, Elizabeth Berkeley, Mario Lopez, and Mark Paul Gosler all have signed on for it. Um, Mark Paul, I guess, in a limited role because of his work on Mixed-ish, um, he wasn't able to commit to a full kind of a thing. But, you know, as the governor, I'm guessing you're going to see him travel back and forth from yeah. Sacramento or, or something like that. I don't know. And for if you guys don't know what the premise is, it's about um, – Lower lower income schools being shut down and these kids being bust over now and going to Bayside High kind of a thing. So it deals heavily with the education system and what's going on in California and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Sure, it's gonna be. Sure. It's a great cast. Yeah, they've got a lot of young, talented kids. You know that Agreed. that are gonna do phenomenal. And I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be interesting, man. It's gonna be interesting. <laughs> There's a lot of. Uh, we're just gonna have to see it. I mean, yeah, see it yeah. to believe it. Don't judge a book by its cover, as they say. Let's just start reading. So can't wait for this thing to come out, so we can start reading <laughs> sure sure yeah, you know you know uh lionsgate they're doing yeah. some stuff they're doing some stuff uh what kelly Berglund yeah. from now apocalypse is set to lead opposite Stephen amell and alexander ludwig and allison loaf in heels if you guys haven't heard heels is this uh new wrestling show that amell's getting ready to star mm-hmm. in with dusty Rhodes. yeah um you know that that's coming so interesting they're casting up for it uh it's gonna be a uh, Eight-episode, hour-long drama set in the outrageous world of professional wrestling. Um, I think, you know, Amel got his little fever on there when yeah. he when he was doing the wrestling things at, at WWE. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to be even more interesting because it's on the independent level. So it's going to be more about how these stars, like, rise up to the ranks because, I mean, there's sometimes, like, they would just come in and it's only, like, a 50-crowd people with a ring right like it's, right so it's going to be really interesting and i bet this is going to be a huge weight off of amel's shoulders like not gonna have so much stuff so much fandom on top of him right like just breathing down his neck the whole time exactly which, which is okay because i mean much appreciated he was a great arrow but i mean obviously it's had some effect so oh absolutely absolutely and and have we seen the last of him he said you know in his interview uh recently that he just he needed a break yeah uh if you watch the finale you know they kind of set him up he's still there yeah. He's still the, in some sort of a weird, funky heaven existence. He's yeah. still there. So do we see him again? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But I am excited. I think I, your description was great of this show. Yeah, it, it, I wonder if it's going to be very reminiscent of um, Mickey Rourke's The Wrestler. Mm-hmm. Remember about yeah. the you know the ups and yeah. downs of professional wrestling and yeah. what it can and can't be? Sounds like it, right? So yeah. should be pretty interesting. Definitely, definitely. Now this next one, I'm surprised Disney is not in talks because I, they were talking about how they would want to buy the James bond series right of the franchise. right you're so, right i don't understand uh, mgm has said that 
they want to sell. They want to, um, but Apple and Netflix are the top bidders right now. Yeah, uh, MGM came out of bankruptcy in 2010, and uh, apparently their owners, their current owners, have been shopping the studio around. Um, yeah, you guys, if you remember, I mean, MGM w- was the shit back in the golden age of Hollywood, the twenties, yeah. like MGM, Louis B. Mayer, that, that, that's where you wanted to be. Exactly. That was the, he, they were the Disney. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and so, you know, to see it kind of fall, you know, I mean, great documentary hosted by Patrick Stewart, MGM, when the lion roars, yeah. kind of shows all that history but to see it fall from graces like it did and to think now it's only valued at 10 billion dollars yeah. like that that's just crazy to me um it says though that it still owns the rights to rocky robocop um and james bond so i mean they've got some franchises yeah. that make some money so um they, they still own that and uh, this is the interesting thing, though. Uh, despite releasing its first film, like I said, in the 20s, 1924, it only owns the rights to movies released after uh, 1986. Oh, wow. Because it sold all of its pre-1986 uh, library to Turner Entertainment back in the mm. day. Um, remember, I mean, all those old MGM films showed up on Turner Classic Movies yeah. and stuff like that. So, translation, guys, Warner Media yeah, owns almost Warner all Media. of their library. So, it only – why aren't they in the bidding? Yeah, exactly. Why aren't they trying to go so that they own the entire MGM yeah. library? I, I, I don't know. Exactly, man. Exactly. Who do you think wins, Apple or Netflix? Uh, I Apple, honestly. <laughs> Apple they, has more money. Yeah, so. they have more money, and honestly, I think they need it more, to be mm. honest, because I feel like Apple TV Plus isn't the success they were hoping that it was going to be. So hopefully, I mean, we'll see what Good happens. Point. Good point. And I mean, they got a lot of controversy with some of their films, so it is what it is, man. But I mean, speaking of Netflix, and I really hope this is the right name of this production house um netflix has signed a multi-year deal overall deal with the animation studios titmouse yes um to produce multiple original adult animated series i mean we just talked about uh last week how they're advancing more into their anime games yeah so i mean this comes underway of that so congratulations to them that's awesome yeah uh what they've they've partnered up before right like on several of the series um big mouth and brutus pink um so they're familiar with each other it only makes sense that they enter into this big old long deal exactly um so yeah boy they're making a hard push towards adult i think you know they saw the success of bojack horseman Mm -hmm. and like you know so many of these other adult comedies that they're like fuck it let's keep going so yeah definitely definitely uh, this next one, I mean, who doesn't like international spy thrillers? Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is this is just in case they can't get the James Bond library, exactly. like you know. <laughs> Exactly. Margarita La Viva is set to headline in from the cold. And now, when I when I read this premise to you, it's going to sound very familiar, but we'll we'll say, uh, in from the cold, an international spy thriller drama with a supernatural bent. Um, which has received an eight episode. What what is the deal with these eight? Give us ten, guys. At least. Ah, give us ten, man. Eight episode series order by Netflix. During a European vacation with her daughter, an American single mom's life is turned upside down when the CIA forces her to confront her long-buried past as a Russian spy who was also the product of a highly classified KGB experiment mm. granting her special abilities. Interesting. 
if I'm making my, my elevator pitch, the first half of that sounds very much like Alias. Yeah. <laughs> the second half of that sounds very much like Black Widow. Yeah. <laughs> so if Alias were to meet Black Widow, you've got this show in from the cult. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. It's... It, it, Will it be good? Will it not? I don't know, but the premises seem really familiar. Yeah. I mean, it's not all roses and dandelions and all sunshine and rainbows at Netflix. I mean, they just laid off roughly 15 employees of its marketing division, which really sucks because their marketing, I felt like, was their best quality. They did really good with marketing, especially with the Marvel shows that were on uh, Netflix, like Daredevil, those little short teaser clips. I mean, yeah. I felt like they set the precedent the precedent of those teaser trailers with those. So it really kind of sucks. Uh, the exits confirmed Tuesday are part of a long-term structural tweaks in the department that we hear has long been ongoing since the arrival of the new marketing chief officer uh former bbc studios exec jackie lee joe yeah so he's apparently changing all that kind of you know marketing strategy which like you said has been successful so i don't know what the tweaks and changes are um other than trying to deal with the fact that now they've got competitors yeah so uh i don't know man yeah see what happens i mean crazy shit this this next one this one sounds really interesting to me because i wasn't really sure what this was because i'm not young j-lo probably knew what this was um amazon is set to explore the strange phenomenon of los angeles hype beast culture oh uh the streamers issued a two-season order for fairfax it's going to be an animated series which follows four middle school best friends on their never-ending quest for clout on L.A.'s titular Fairfax Avenue, the pulsing heart of hype beast culture. Mm. Um, for anybody who doesn't know what hype beast culture is, apparently it's this huge phenomenon in L.A., especially in this district and on this street, where the kids are like hardcore trying to like you know elevate the game, the fashion game, yeah, um, kind of a thing. So I had never even heard of this, yeah, right, um, but. The idea of an animated series about it sounds pretty interesting. Again, we go back to Amazon is killing it with originals, man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so much stuff that's trying to draw in all sorts of life or all sorts of walks of life to their audience. So, I mean, congratulations to them. I think they're doing basically everything right for a streamer, honestly. Yeah. I just think they need to make their platform more user-friendly. Other than that, like... Amazon Prime is on point. They are. They are just absolutely killing it. Um, it, it, Now, here's the interesting thing. Titmouse (laughs) is partnering with Amazon on this show. And this, yeah, this this deal was announced just a couple days after the Netflix deal. So Titmouse ain't playing. They're like, we'll just go to where anybody pays us. They're everywhere, man. So, uh, but I'm excited about that. Amazon just continues to keep killing it, man. Yeah, seriously, seriously. And I mean, we were talking about Apple a little bit earlier. Um, Former Stars Programming Chief uh, Kamari Zalink uh, has moved over to Apple with a production deal. Uh, She's been with Stars for over 10 years, which is crazy. It's really crazy to see when people jump ship after that long. Uh, she will leave the pay cable channel at the end of January, or his deal with Apple begins next month at Stars. Yes. Or at Apple. <laughs> yes. 
Um, you know, he's she, he, we, we, yeah, don't, yeah. we don't judge. Oh, we, we don't, don't judge. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Look, though, seriously, you you're, you and Lil' Cam are huge uh, fans of power. Yeah. And uh, they, they, they've had a lot of huge shows on stars that kind of like elevated the game on that on that network under this guy i mean power outlander american gods uh white queen magic city uh power book two ghost um like so many of these huge hits so this is gonna be a loss for stars there's no doubt about it this guy was talented yeah exactly. um and apple needs him yeah I mean, you know, Apple's had a subpar response to their new shows. So I think they're looking for a guy, once again, Streaming Wars, that is proven that can come in and juice it up a little bit, man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we got to see what happens. I mean, good pickup, honestly, good pickup because, like you said, been involved in so many projects, so many series, especially for that long of a time. So he knows the industry and what like edgy content people like and i mean apple needs some edge i think so i think so the question is is will tim let him do it yeah because remember there was some skepticism there that they wanted to keep it family friendly and kind of like so i don't know man yeah it's gonna be interesting are you ready to get physical let's get physical physical apple nearing a series order for physical um a dramedy now okay you guys remember from the 80s olivia newton john physical let's get physical that's obviously what i was referencing um okay this premise sounds exactly like the video um it's a dramedy headlined by rose byrne which we love rose byrne she's fantastic Uh, she's just one of my favorite actresses come on the show rose definitely um it's gonna be her first regular role on an ongoing series since uh damages Mm. wow um uh, let's see. Dear John, it's from the creator of Dear John, which was a huge hit. Huge. Physical is set in 1980s. Go figure, because that's when the song came out. Right. Uh, <laughs> Southern California beach community. It follows a woman struggling in her life as a quietly tortured housewife who finds an unconventional path to power through an unlikely source, the world of aerobics. Oh, Yes, <laughs> let's get physical. Yeah. She's gonna have the headband and the right. leotards, and, and like just like Olivia Newton-John, or I don't know. It sounds interesting. I mean, it, this is one of those premises where it could, if done right, probably be really great. You know, if done poorly, it could be a bomb for Apple. Yeah, I don't know exactly. So um, agreed. I mean, <laughs> but there is always that '80s nostalgia that people love. I mean, you love the '80s nostalgia. Every time Hell we yeah. watch the Goldbergs, you're like, oh, that's my time. Yeah, that, that, I. Fucking love the Goldbergs because it's my childhood. Just like uh, right there, like yeah. my entire childhood, Goldbergs. It's fantastic. It's so good, so good. Uh, Amesia Entertainment. Have you guys heard of this one before? No. No. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> but guess what? They are gonna try to revamp the Green Hornet. Yes, that's right, the Green Hornet. Oh man. Hopefully, it's not like the one that came out a couple years ago which nobody really liked but this is like an independent studio our production company that's going to try to revamp the green hornet so i mean let's see what happens well and and i mean if 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 they were going to do it they should do it with a guy who knows about superheroes like because the guy who heads up this company is uh michael helfant who was the former president of marvel studios yeah so he worked under feige clearly you know Learned from the best, if you will. Uh, and so if you if you need a superhero, you got to go with a guy who knows superheroes, right? Exactly. So, man. um... I, mm, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, especially the independent take. Like, will this be a studio release or will it be, like, 
make a deal with one of the streamers, especially since like it's all about the streaming wars now. So it's really going to be interesting, and I, I'm interested, honestly, I'm, yeah. to see if it's worth anything. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the rights to this thing have transferred back and forth from so many different companies over know, the years because right? it's like nobody can figure out what the fuck to do with it. No. So it'll be interesting to see if he can. Yeah, So exactly, exactly. Well, the biggie. SAG-AFTRA. Yes. I mean, the union. Yes. Uh, her, the president. Gabriela Carteris. That's right. Yes. It's calling for unity. Uh, uh, when is she not calling yeah, for unity? Because everybody, like, I don't want to say everybody dislikes her. There's a lot of, you know, supporters of Gabrielle. But as you guys know, it's been pretty contentious. Yeah. This last election, again, was very close. There were lawsuits. There were fights between her and Matthew Modine Recounts, and all this like, kind yeah. of stuff. Well, they've got a new film and TV contract coming up, you know, that they're trying to negotiate and get done. And so she's basically calling for unity amongst all of the members um, to pull together and come together and, like, you know, be a full unit to hammer out these deals with all the, the networks networks and film studios and stuff um i don't know the the you know the rival membership first slate you know it, they control the los angeles board kateris controls the national board and like yeah, yeah is it good when you have factions within your own like i, I don't know i i just feel like best for the industry if these guys could all come together and actually work so I, I think her unity call is the right call will it happen i don't think so i mean you never know man you never know i mean especially in this entertainment industry i feel like at any high seat power position like that i mean you're especially like potus i mean except this most recent one don't fuck him um, yeah you're just trying to do the best for your people and i mean you're supposed to be the leader and sometimes that can be misjudged so i mean let's see what happens i guess um i know some people support her like you said some people don't it's yeah. been kind of a back and forth battle with everybody so i'm interested to see how it turns out and if it will help up and coming actors and already stars staffed uh actors so let's see what happens man. yeah man because those negotiations with the studios and television networks can get tricky if if things ain't going right so yeah agreed agreed man but man that was that was great that was great industry news that's packed really that's a packed streaming wars yeah. everything you need to know basically yeah basically. that's gonna be the next transformers at transformers streaming wars you're right yeah. like, <laughs> they're just gonna like pop up yeah. on tvs yeah. robots that turn into film studios right. it's gonna be fantastic we don't know like, it's like gonna be great it's gonna be great somebody but... just heard that and is already writing it it's Hell like yeah. fucked up so funny <laughs> uh but now it is time for our guest segment we got the one and only katherine mcamara coming on the show and man not only is she talented talented in the television and film game guess what guys she graduated high school at 14 and graduated college at 17 yeah very yeah. intelligent individual and just an amazing soul with all of her charity work and not to mention all the amazing projects she has been on like arrow shadow hunters and so much more yeah like, and this woman just exudes positivity and and just like you know in, inspiration for people like yep. I mean, wait, wait until you hear this interview, guys. Like, if you are having a bad day, Catherine McNamara will cheer you up. Definitely. Like, <laughs> she is just so positive and upbeat about life. She has such the right attitude about everything. Yeah. And this is a fun one, guys. Agreed. Agreed. Well, here she is. Catherine McNamara, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm. How are you today? Thank you so much. I'm pretty well. How about you guys? 
Oh, we're doing awesome. Fantastic. Doing awesome. <laughs> Congratulations, first of all, on a huge year. I mean, you have just absolutely been killing it all year long. Uh, Thank you. You're welcome in the crisis, the crossover. Oh, my goodness. That's so awesome that you were involved in that. Um, so we're going to talk all about that kind of stuff because uh, we've just got so much to ask you about the two huge shows that you're a part of. But what we like to do first is kind of introduce you to the, to the listeners a little bit and tell them a little bit about your background and how you got started in the industry and everything because – it wasn't something you really wanted to do at first, right? Your plans were in another direction, right? Yeah, I had very different plans for my life, um, but happily ended up here. <laughs> no, I, I loved math as a kid, and then eventually as I started going through school and learning about the different subjects, I discovered the real-life application of mathematics through economics. And just the fact that you know the puzzle of math could be applied to the greater world to explain these different you know topics and these different phenomena and things like this oh absolutely i was able to just discover a whole a whole new world in that sense and uh decided that's what i wanted to do with my life so um my plan was to become an economist and particularly in developmental economics and then i was a dancer as a kid and uh wanted to was the kid who would try anything. So I ran into a family friend who was directing a community theater show and needed a dancer. So I said, sure, why not? Sounds like fun. (laughs) Yeah. And ultimately I had one of those rare moments of clarity when I stepped on stage and from that moment on, I never had a doubt in my mind that I was put on this earth to tell stories. Oh, that's that's awesome. I mean, it's crazy how it works, right? You just you think you have this set plan, you think you know what you're out to do, and all of a sudden, no, they, it changes, right? It's very interesting. The more people I talk to in this industry, no matter what part of the industry they're in, be they actors or directors or writers or whatever it is, we all stumble into this somehow. Some of us more directly than others, but mm-hmm. ultimately, there's a moment where we all realize that you know we belong. In the crazy carnival that is the entertainment industry. <laughs> <laughs> right, I like that. I love that crazy <laughs> carnival. That and and it was young for you. I mean, we should we should applaud you. By the way, you you speak of education and stuff. Graduated high school at fourteen, college at seventeen, and uh, do you have the masters yet? I know you were working on the masters, right? I don't have it yet. I was working on it, and then Shadow Hunters got very intense, and then I jumped <laughs> into Arrow. So I've taken a little bit of a sabbatical. Uh, completely but, uh, understandable. I'm getting back to it now. <laughs> well. Congrats on that. I think education is a wonderful thing, and and it's so nice to see somebody accomplished like that. And, I mean, the world needs more of that. So congratulations on that as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's something that, you know, my whole family is in science and medicine. So education has always been a huge priority, and uh, it's something that I've always loved. And I give give that love, um, the, the inspiration for that love as a credit to my family and to what my very first teacher who saw this kind of spark and, and love for learning in me and she fostered it so it's it's something I've carried with me oh wow that's great I mean and what was that like telling your family that you wanted to kind of take a different direction with your life to go on with acting in the arts rather than the finance side well I was 12 <laughs> yeah <laughs> they, they just kind of said well sure kid do whatever you want as long as you you know stay in school and go to college and do all of that so you have you have a plan for your life if this doesn't work but uh they were very supportive and and really you know allowed me to to do whatever i want and follow my heart it was it was very sweet because a lot of them 
are in, you know, obviously more clinical fields and don't necessarily understand the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And right. My mom in particular, when I first started, she would check in with me every couple weeks and go, are you sure you're still having fun with this? <laughs> you're still doing this, right? Just making sure you're <laughs> good. Yeah. <laughs> Completely yeah, understand. so many kids that, that didn't love what they were doing, but were doing it just because it's what they always had done. Right. right. And she wanted to make sure that I was doing it and didn't feel like I had to do it at any point, which I actually really appreciate. Absolutely. And completely understandable she didn't understand. There's a lot of people in the industry that don't understand the industry. So, yeah. I mean... <laughs> well, I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and you say, it's so funny you said 12 because, man, you were really, like, young when you started. 13 when you made your Broadway debut. Like, wow. That's impressive. You're professional Broadway debut, right? Yeah, it, that, that actually happened quite by accident as well. You know, I, I always say that I've just kind of followed whatever opportunities have stumbled onto my path and just seen where they take me. Um, because that, that happened, you know, I, I worked with a woman in Kansas City who was from New York, and she went off to do this show, A Little Night Music, and uh, they ended up needing an immediate replacement in the show, and she was kind enough to say, hey, there's this girl in Kansas City that I worked with that might be right for this. So I get a random phone call saying, hey, um, do you want to come audition for the Broadway <laughs> show with Catherine Zeta-Jones and Angela Lansbury in two days? Wow. And I'd never been to New York, so I said, well, sure, and I'd love to see New York and go audition for a Broadway show just to say I've done that once in my life. <laughs> That's <laughs> Absolutely. crazy. Angela Lansbury and, and Catherine Zeta-Jones, like 13, and that's who you're like auditioning yeah, to go right? work. work. That's <laughs> yeah. so insane. And a week later, I was living in New York working with them. And you know, oh six goodness. months later, they left the show and Bernadette Peters and Elaine Stritch came in. So wow. you know, within a year of my life, before I'm 15 years old, I'm working with four legends, leading ladies of you know theater and film, and it's, it's just bonkers. Yeah, seriously. And I mean, especially being that young with those like A-list people, did they pass on any advice to you, especially being that young? I can imagine so, right? Quite a bit. Even just in observing them, I learned so much because they were all so different, but also commanding in the way that they worked and the way that they interacted with everyone. And they were just the most kind and gracious and wonderful human beings. Um, But, you know, I learned different things from each of them. I, I spent the most time probably with Angela and with Elaine because Mm -hmm. most of my scenes were with them Mm -hmm. and just sitting in their dressing room between scenes and listening to their stories and and asking their advice and you know Elaine used to take me to the set of 30 Rock on Mondays when the theater was dark and it it was just it was so much fun to watch these you know women that had been in the industry for decades and go yeah when I'm in my 80s and 90s I want to be doing eight shows a week on Broadway (laughs) well and we it can be done absolutely and we should mention you're also a musician and songwriter you play the piano and the guitar so broadway and being on stage and musicals i'm guessing that is that would be something i could see in your future without doubt definitely oh for sure you know it's funny because i started in theater in kansas city and then going to broadway that's i feel more at home on a stage than i do pretty much anywhere else Mm -hmm. that's okay and i gotta ask though because 13 and and i really want to get into this a little bit because there's a lot of our listeners that are trying to get into the industry and so we always kind of like to talk about stuff relevant to that and you have been very successful to make the transition kind of from a young age into into young adult and avoid the pit 
pitfalls, if you will, or, or the dark side of the industry a little bit. Talk a little bit about that and how you've been able to do that, um, because I, I think it's it's dangerous sometimes for, for children that get into it and they get caught up in all of the drama and everything. How have you been able to avoid that? Actually, I'm really glad you asked this, because I've seen it happen, and I've been, you know, I've been witness to it. Um, people I know, good friends of mine, things, things happen in this industry. It's wonderful, and it's glossy, and it's fabulous, and it's glamorous, but it also has a dark side, and I think that's something that's very important to remember. You know, if you, if you love this for the work, and if you love it for the time and the effort that it takes, and the blood, sweat, and tears that you pour into every project, that will carry you through, and I think that's largely what carried me through, is I, I'm here for the work, and I'm here to create things and to tell stories and, you know, not necessarily to get involved in, in anything else. And I also have been very lucky to be surrounded by people that are there to remind me who I am and to remind me why I'm here. And, you know, I do the same for them. If you try and surround yourself with real people who are genuine and honest and authentic, which is harder to do sometimes than others in this industry. Sure, imagine. But you, you have to constantly check yourself on, you know, the people you're surrounding yourself with and the situations you're getting yourself into and why you're doing what you're doing. Um, And if you remain focused on the creative pursuit and on the work and on sort of genuine, authentic people and people that make you feel good about yourself and not people who tear you down or people who tell you you have to be something you're not. I think so often people get caught up in trying to be what they think they're supposed to be and they lose that spark of what makes them special and that reason they began and that thing that inspired their passion to begin with. And, um, you know, if you if you surround yourself with people that are there for you and who love you for who you are, not, you know, what they think you can do for them, that's that's the key. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we hear time and time and again from a lot of our guests, like it's all about having a really good support system in this industry that's filled with rejection. I mean, we hear all the time, it's like 90% auditioning and 10% actually acting and being on set. So who would you... <laughs> Who would you say is your biggest supporter in your circle? I would say that my family is my biggest support. You know, I'm very, very lucky to... I have an amazing family full of a lot of women who have been adept at balancing career and family. Mm. So I grew up with these women who are scientists and nurses and doctors and professors and all of these incredible things, but they were also mothers and sisters and cousins and mm-hmm. aunts and grandmothers and these people that, it, it, the way they presented life to me, it was never a question of career or family. It was always, yeah, you're going to have to work hard and it's not always going to be easy, but if you really want something, you can make it work. Absolutely. Well, women empowerment. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> It's so exactly. good to hear because and that to me was was always so inspiring, and you know they've continued to support me in that as well. And I and yet you know they give me more trouble about things that I do than anyone else. <laughs> remind me that I'm still just that little kid from Missouri, and I, I love them for that. Oh, that's so awesome. I, I think your mentality though, the, of the way you just said and the way you approach things and how you do it, it had to play heavily. Because let's let's jump into this stuff. You you have now been associated with two projects where fandom is involved and and the the hype and and the, and the hugeness of these things i have to 
imagine the mentality that you had helped immensely going into that because I could see where that could spiral out of control for some people and maybe be a little overwhelming for some. Um, let's talk shadow hunters. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, talk about some pressure, right? I mean, the, the movie kind of came out and it didn't do so well and they were supposed to have a sequel and then they didn't and they're like, hey, let's reboot this for a TV series and then you find out, sure, we're going to do that and we're going to do it right on the edge of Freeform you know, the, the name brand change and, and it's going to be the first series announced on the new Freeform had to be a lot of pressure, right? It was certainly, I wouldn't necessarily say pressure, but it was definitely responsibility. There you go. You know, I grew up loving young adult fiction and just books in general as a method of storytelling. Mm -hmm. So I knew how much kids attach to these characters. And I know that feeling when you have this character that you just love and this world that you're obsessed with and just, you want to see it come to life so badly right and it's difficult to do sometimes because reading is such a personal experience and your own imagination feeds so much into what you see when you read a book and there's you know there's no way we can have an infinite number of of experiences for people <laughs> as they do when they read the books so we were really conscious in creating this series and trying to find a way to honor the source material and and really create a world that fans respond to mm -hmm. but also make enough changes to give them a fresh perspective on these characters and the show so that even if they read the book a million times they could sort of have a, a, a new experience in a way that they could uh, get excited and be surprised by things right and I, you know, I give a huge credit to the fandom because they were so welcoming to us and so accepting and they were willing to, to trust us with this story that they love so much and, and come on the journey with us. Yeah, the Shadow Fam is huge, right? And I, I mean, because they can, I mean, they can, you're, like you said, that they, they are very intent on on what they believe the character should be. So casting is so crucial in these things, I think. And, and, and the concern that you guys have of pulling off these characters accurately for the fandom, um, I think you guys all did a brilliant job on that series. It took off. I mean, it was a massive hit the first season. It was huge. And, and it did go over really well with fandom. And I, I think that has a lot to do with... With yourself and, and your fellow castmates because of the passion you showed each week on that show. I think it was just brilliant. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, those that cast, that crew, the fandom as well, it really is a family. But, you know, the casting crew in particular, I've never been a part of a production where every single department and every single person is so passionate about the story that we're telling and about collaborating with each other and pushing each other to be better every day and to make a show that it's really special because we love to tell stories and that was such a fun environment to be a part of and such you know a creative space and uh those are my boys you know that's yeah. those are my brothers and i i love them to death and i you know i did that show from the time i was 19 to the time i was 23 right so, like i really grew up on that set that's such a, a transformative period of a person's life and i i was so lucky to be surrounded by so many people that were creative and wonderful people in that sense, but also just great human beings. Um, but it, truly, in telling the story, you know, we all had our own path with it, but mm -hmm. we each were really committed. And some of us read all the books, like I did, and you know, other people found other routes of really connecting with their characters. And it, it was amazing to watch everybody come together to create this story. What was the audition process like? Was it pretty extensive? I mean, was it a <laughs> cast pretty wide to find the right people for these roles? It was long. It was very <laughs> long. And uh, 
but rightly so, you know, it makes a big difference. But I, I remember going through this process and I'm pretty sure they saw every girl between the ages of 15 and 35 for the, <laughs> this character. Wow. Cause I, you know, I was in those rooms with all of them, but it was interesting as it got down to it. You know, when I, when I first read the pilot for the show, it's a lot of projects when when I read them, you know, there is, as you said, so much rejection. And, sure. and part of the fun of auditioning for me is the spontaneity of it. Mm-hmm. So you, you create a character for a little bit and then you forget about it. You, you go, you know, I go in the room, I do the work, that's my little performance in the audition, and then you have to let it go. Because if it's meant for you, it comes back to you, and if not, there's something else out there. And it wasn't meant to be. But with this, there's certain projects you read and you go, this one's mine. I'm gonna f- <laughs> I have to fight for this one. There's something in me that's telling me that I have to do this. And as soon as I read the pilot for Shadowhunters, I instantly connected with Clary. I knew what I wanted to do with her. I knew the potential for growth and where I wanted to take her. And I just saw it. And there was something in me that went, okay, uh, this is this I have to do. I cannot take no for an answer on this. And, you know, Dom Sherwood, who played Jace on the show, he and I had been friends before, you know, any of Shadowhunters happened. And when I read the pilot, I couldn't help but go, gosh, Dom would be so good for Jace. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then Dom was cast. Right. And I went, well, okay, now I have to do this. Because there's no other way that this is, you know, this is going to work in the world because it it just, it's meant to be. And it turned out it was. And uh, little things like that kept happening. You know, I walked into the audition room one day and I was in the audition process with Alberto Rosende, who played Mm -hmm. Simon Lewis. He was in, they were doing Simons and Clary's at the same time. And I walked into the room and I looked around and I saw Alberto for the first time and went, well, there's Simon Lewis. (laughs) They found a better guy if they tried. They made him in a lab. And it turned out, you know, he and I started chatting and instantly had this kind of banter and all these little things just ended up falling into place. And, you know, I, I can't help but think that there was some kind of universal force guiding this show oh absolutely uh, and 19 and you, you you know you're going for the lead i mean you knew you were reading for her correct oh yeah oh yeah oh, so yeah. No, I, I knew full well and it, it was it was daunting i have to say you know when you're coming into a show and you go all right well i'm i'm in this position where i'm you know sort of the harry potter of this world I, <laughs> definitely I, I don't know what i'm doing but i'm gonna figure it out you know and I, I do give a lot of credit to, you know, the cast really bonded together as a whole. And, and we had some really incredible, really seasoned people. You know, we had Isaiah Mustafa, who's been in this industry forever. Oh, yeah. And Harry Shum Jr., who had just been through Glee. And the two of them really, I would I would have coffee with one or both of them a couple times a month, just outside of work and go, okay, I have all these questions. How do I handle these situations? What am I doing? What do I need to be doing? Just just to help me out here and uh you know i i really really they've been such great mentors to me throughout this process that is fantastic and so it wraps up and you step right into your next fandom (laughs) it's like uh, you know (laughs) with with, with arrow I gotta, I gotta ask. I, we were both curious. We were talking about this before before you called in, and and we were interested because we've had a lot of Marvel stars on, and we know that their casting process is like this uber secretive. You, you're ushered into a room, you have no idea what you're reading for, kind of a thing. Was it that same way with with the DC side of it? Where did you know what you were reading for when you went in for Arrow, or who you were reading for? What was the casting on that one like? So it was very interesting because I had just found out that Shadowhunters 
had been canceled. Mm -hmm. And I was sort of in the mourning process for that, as well as having fun auditioning again. And Arrow was maybe my second audition back from, uh, from you know, not being able to audition for anything. Really. Right, right. And so I was just getting into it and starting to have fun, really diving into things. And I get this audition. And David Rappaport, who's the casting director, I've known him for a long time. He's really incredible. He, you know, I sent it over and they're like, look, we've been looking for this character for a while. She's this, you know, badass rookie cop who has a dark past, <laughs> but it really has a lot of spunk and attitude. And, and we really think, you know, we want to find somebody special because she's going to have an arc on the show and maybe, you know, have a future there. And I said, okay, great. Well, I've been playing a superhero. Now let me go into the world of Arrow and play a cop. Sure, That's very sure. different and interesting. And so I go in and I read the scenes with Beth and, and some of the showrunners. And, you know, I'm sitting there. We have a lovely little conversation. Um, I was sick as well because I'd just come back from a Comic-Con in Australia and had <laughs> lost my voice. Oh, that's never good. So I had, no, I had no voice, really. And I was trying to do this audition. And, you know, we play with the scenes and have a lot of fun. And then I leave. And a couple weeks later, I find out that I'm cast in it and that I've gotten the part. I'm like, great, awesome. Rookie cop. <laughs> Let me start doing research about, you know, the training that cops go through sure. and the kind of education they have. And just so I know the mindset and the purview and, <laughs> and you know, talking to my uncle, who's a state trooper and trying to, like, get all of this information. Then I get a call from Beth Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not so much a cop, right? No, no. She calls me and she goes, hey, Kat, so nice to meet you. Congratulations. We're so happy to have you on the show. By the way, everything you know is a lie. Her name's not Jessie or whatever it was. She's not a rookie cop. We don't really know what her name's going to be yet. We don't know a lot about her. But we just wanted to let you know that you're Oliver and Felicity's kid. Oh, oh man. <laughs> yeah. imagine and then of course like i mean steven and emily have spent so much time building these characters and they're so like uh, beloved as uh, and now you find out oh man i'm their kid how, how is that, how am i gonna fall into that um exactly. like because i mean you know i i will say though great casting because if emily and steven were to have a kid you would be it i, okay. I mean i thought <laughs> i think the casting was brilliant it's very eerie and yes you're exactly right because of course once you know twitter got hold of it and once they started to figure it out there are all these fan edits that come out of me edited between steven and emily and <laughs> or pictures of photo shoots that emily and i have done that are somewhat similar and emily and i used to talk about it all the time how eerie it is how much we look alike and yeah. how much i look like you know the combination of the two of them it and really I, is <laughs> you know, I, I take it as a compliment because they're both extremely attractive individuals but you know going back to finding out the news i um with shadow hunters we had malik which was our you know magnus and alec and harry chum jr and matt dario had mm -hmm. this couple on the show right that ran like wildfire yep. but elicity was always in that same realm when when anybody was talking about fandom ships as as the kids say absolutely <laughs> and so i knew how beloved elicity was and i knew sort of the 
the work that Stephen and Emily had put in and the love that it had been creating that relationship and those characters. So immediately I said, all right, well, I'm watching at the time six seasons of Arrow just so I can glean whatever I can of mannerisms and character qualities and what their relationship really was and sort of the intricacies of what their child could be. Sure. And uh, that was pretty much the education that I needed because it gave me so much. I mean, there's so much in those characters to kind of mine and and then with the backstory that the you know the showrunners gave me and the welcome that Stephen and Emily gave me when I got to set, it, it really was a dream of a process. That's okay. I'm glad you said that the welcome uh, that you because what's it like? I, I, I sometimes I can imagine it would be pretty rough. And then like you just said, you were welcomed with open arms. And I mean, coming into a show that's seven years in and yeah. so established and has such a fandom. I mean, I, I would imagine that that's got to be something you know a little bit nervous to go into right and it's got to help that it's got to help that they were welcoming 100 percent. i mean you know it sort of feels like the transfer student coming into the senior year of high school Mm. you know everybody's the family's so established and everybody gets along so well and there's already a system and people you know are so used to working with each other you really don't know what you're stepping into Mm -hmm. and i remember i I was on set for some fittings and a hair and makeup meeting and I, i stepped into the trailer the hair and makeup trailer, and Steven was in there. And I, I don't know how much you guys have seen of Arrow, but there's an episode in the prison in season seven yes. that it's entirely a fight scene, and Steven just gets beat up the entire episode. <laughs> um, yeah. And, he, you know, he equally kicks butt back. Of but, course. you know, as is the case with Arrow, the heroes get hit in the face as much as they hit other people in the face, um, which I love. I sure. Think it's amazing, and it's, it's one of my favorite things about the show. But <laughs> I, I walked into the trailer, and Steven was there getting more blood put on his face or something or other. And, you know, he was clearly exhausted and had been at it all day. As soon as he saw me, he immediately jumped out of the chair, ran over, gave me a huge hug, and goes, I'm your dad! (laughs) (laughs) Took me around set and introduced me to everyone and just instantly made me feel as though I belonged there. And that was the best way to kind of start my journey with Arrow. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a great story because, and it's good to hear because in season seven, you know, there wasn't supposed to be a season eight. I mean, he was, he was ready to go and ready. I mean, so to hear him so enthusiastically jump up and be excited and have such passion for it still going into season seven is great to hear. Um, Let's talk about that for a little bit. I mean, the entire Arrowverse is built on this guy's shoulders. Yeah. Like it's true. I mean that that so that's got to be like just this unbelievable feeling that 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 this man has to see everything playing out the way it's played out. Yeah, it's it's really been amazing. I you know I didn't get to work with him much in season seven, given that I was twenty years in the future. Exactly. But I got to work with him a lot in season eight, and you know having been Shadowhunters for four years, I've been in his position, and mm-hmm. I know what it's like to have to carry that kind of workload and sure play host to directors and guest stars and people and just sort of, you know, when you're in that position, you feel responsible for everyone's well-being as well, and you you set the tone for set. So I I really appreciate how he kind of ran things and the respect that he gave everyone and and the the attention to detail that he gave to the show Um, it it was such a joy to work with him because he really does care about the show and and really wants it to be the best it can possibly be and and has a a level of of, um, 
taste that kind of exceeds most people that have been doing shows for as long as he has. Sure. And were you super excited to find out you were going to be in the crossover, the big crisis event? Oh, I was so excited. (laughs) And actually, the way I found out is because the wardrobe designer came up to me and goes, hey, we need to schedule a fitting for you at, at the leather shop. And I said, okay. Are they making me a new jacket? She goes, well, they're making you a suit. Uh-oh. It's going to be revealed in the Supergirl episode of The Crossover. And so instantly I was like, wait a minute. First of all, you're making me a, a super suit. And second of all, I'm going to be in The Crossover? <laughs> like, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And Crisis, I mean, it's huge. Yeah. You asked, I don't know how much you've seen of Arrow. Well, huge comic book geeks and huge uh, Arrow geeks. And it just for the whole, my whole life. So I, I was a huge fan of the Crisis comic books and the whole story line and the whole thing so when i heard that was going to be the crossover i was excited for sure um i just thought they did a brilliant job your storyline in crisis and how it sets up everything and we're going to talk about that in just a second but how it sets up what's going to happen with you in the future uh just brilliant i I thought the crossover was brilliant oh thank you i was so grateful that they gave me so much to do in the crossover you know i was just happy to to be at the party and just be there to to work with everyone it's such a fun group of individuals Mm -hmm. and you know, just getting to, to know everybody a little better. You know, I, I've known Tyler Hecklin for a long time, and I've met a few other people before, like Katie Shad- Katie Lotz shattered as a director last year, so I got to see her and hang out with her a little bit, and I met Grant a few times. So, you know, getting to know everyone more was so great. But then also, it's one of those moments that you have as an actor occasionally when you work on things that are sort of fantastical. Right. Where you're standing on set, and you look around, you're standing in a superhero suit yourself, <laughs> You're looking around, and there's a couple of Supermen, and the Green Arrow, and the Flash, and Batwoman, and sure. you know, the White Canary, and you're just kind of going, how is this my job? Right. <laughs> how is this what I get to do for a living every day? It's it's just, it's bananas, and it's beyond, I'm just beyond grateful. I, I... Um, but it's so fun. Yeah, I can only imagine. I, I'm amongst so many people probably that are so jealous to stand on that with that with that with that. Like you said, everybody in costume and you're like literally straight out of the pages of a comic book. It's got to be pretty epic. Yeah, the irony of it on this crossover in particular is the first, and I couldn't talk about this for a long time because it was such a spoiler, but my first day in the super suit and my first real day on set with everybody in their suits was the day we shot Steven's death scene in Yes. Mm. <laughs> and so I get to set in my suit for the first time and I'm so excited and everybody else is in their suit and then I go, oh dang it, now I have to cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not cool. Oh man. So yeah, I, I, I kind of want to talk about that because the whole season seven arc, they set up this brilliant backstory for Mia, you know, uh, Mia Smoke, by the way. Um, and, you, you know, you're, you're raised by your mom in a cabin and, and you're trained by Nisa Azgul and you're, and you're like this. You have this whole history and everything. And then you find out in crisis, they're going to wipe all that out. You're, you're not going to remember any of that yet. And, and your whole thing is going to change, you know, because of what Oliver does and, what, you know, what he, what he tries to rebuild when he sacrifices himself. Talk about that a little bit. What was it like to have, like, this whole backstory and you have this character that, that you, know, you know where she comes from, what she's about, how she's dealing with these people, JJ and all the people in her life and everything, and then it's going to all flip and change. What was that like? It was, it was really interesting, actually, because we had spent so much time taking Mia from this really closed off 
unemotional fighter and building her as a human being. Right. It usually happened the opposite with Clary, especially it happened the opposite way. You have a human being and she became a fighter. And then with Mia, you had a fighter and she became a human being. Mm. And it's, it's very interesting to kind of see that change and to have built everything up. And she had such, you know, hangups with the abandonment and the, the resentment she had toward her father that she got to work through and the relationship with her brother that she got to build and everything that happened, you know, getting established with Barry and with Sarah Lance right. and all these characters that, you know, she got to form bonds with. And then to strip all of that away, it, it gave me a moment of pause because I had to go, well, wait a minute. We've spent <laughs> two years building this character. That's not, you know, we can't just take her away. Exactly. So it's been in, you know, in talking with the showrunners and the writers of the show, we really collaborated and found a way to, to find the Mia in, in the new Mia. You know, because she's still ultimately, yes, even though she was raised in a world where she's a socialite and right. she has had every privilege and a, a happy childhood with her brother and her mother and really has not known any sorrow or loss or hardship in her life. She wasn't a fighter. She was still raised by Felicity. Yep, She's exactly. still the same cunning, smart, cutting girl <laughs> exactly. that we know and love. Yep. She's just a little lost. She hasn't found her passion. She hasn't found that thing that lights the fire in her soul yet. Right. And she just is kind of floating and and trying to figure out how to live in the shadow of her father and how to live up to his legacy and you know what on earth can she do to do that. Exactly. And uh, I I love that you use that terminology, you know, live in the shadow of her father, because let's talk about the backdoor pilot. Huge congratulations on Green Arrow and the Canaries, because highest rated episode of the season, non-crossover. So huge congrats on that. Uh, Thank you. Absolutely loved it. I, I, you know, and thanks to Cisco, you know, Cisco, Martian Manhunter magic, you you, you got some of those memories about dad back and crisis back. Um, (laughs) Spoilers, by the way, for anybody who's listening who hasn't watched it. Sorry. Um, but you, you, you know, you get those memories back. I thought you did a really fantastic job of what you just said. Here's this woman who's now kind of lost. She has this whole life that she remembers, but she also now has this past that she remembers that she's got to try to work into it. And you know what, what's going on? The whole JJ thing alone is like throwing her off. Um, the, the cliffhanger right there. But the the terminology that you said standing because there's literally at the end you're in the shadow of your dad's giant statue and you're like trying to you know what am i going to do here um little little visual storytelling there absolutely Um, well that that was really the fun of shooting the pilot and figuring out this new mia because you know we had old mia you had mia 1.0 right and then we had mia 2.0 which is post-crisis mia and then we have mia (laughs) 3.0 which is this woman who has these two sets of memories these two realities living in her head both of which she's emotionally attached to exactly you know and and the fun of that then is figuring out okay well how does she then interact with the world around her and which set of instincts is going to take over depending on the situation Right, and you were conflicted that whole time. You, you. I mean, what was some of the terminology you were saying to you, you know the Black Canaries? You were like, I don't even know if I remember how to fight. How well I'm supposed to go out there and kick some ass? I don't even know if I can. And and I thought that was brilliant. Another one of my favorite lines, though, and I think this comes from you in real life, I hope, because it seems so very much as like when you walk in, you're like, what? A socialite can have a brain, too. Like when you reference the Harvard thing, I just thought that was hilarious. Oh, thanks. It actually, 
it actually was not my addition to the script, but I, I do think it's something that it's very important, you know, because we have these stereotypes of the, the socialite character and right. this and that, and Mia doesn't fit into any any stereotype, especially not at this point in her character development. Um, but I think, you know, the, the most fun with this is that Mia was very capable as a fighter and as a vigilante before. You know, she could pretty much punch her way out of anything. Right. But she was a bit lacking when it dealt with social graces and personal relationships and, you know, maybe handling things with tact as opposed to violence. Um, but now we have this woman who was raised in the world of tact and social graces. And she has a full toolbox of how to handle people and mm -hmm. how to handle Star City and access to everything in that world. And so it really just expands Mia's purview and gives her more of an emotional maturity that matches her fighting skills. So it, it makes her even more adept at taking care of the city that she loves so much. Absolutely. I, I got to tell you, as a fan, I love hearing you talk. You can clearly tell... Your, your passion for the character. You have this deep understanding of the character. And uh, I, I'm so excited. I, I, I would have to imagine, especially after the ratings of the episode, that the CW is going to greenlight this thing and you're going to get picked up to series. I, I think it's going to be brilliant. You're a great Green Arrow. Katie and Julianne are just awesome as the Canaries. I, I just think it's a brilliant cast. And I'm hoping for the very best. I hope we get this thing picked up and, and it goes for a long time. Oh, thank you so much. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, you know... The Green Arrow has such a legacy to it, and I'm a huge fan um, of, of you know what Steven's done and of the Green Arrow as a character, and I, I think it's something really interesting because there is such a darkness to it, as well as, as a heroism, and it you know, leaves me a lot to play with. Oh, absolutely. Well, we're all huge fans. I mean, so so you're getting good to go in, in in this podcast, and with our fan base, you're good to go. We're going to be backing you up the whole way. Definitely. <laughs> oh, thanks so much. Of course, of course. And we'd also like to talk a little bit about your charity work because you support a lot of organizations like Girls Up, uh, Stomp Out Bullying, Children's Hospital of Los Angeles, so many other things. Like, what's that like? Just being a part of something that helps so many other people. My passion for that, I would have to say, comes a lot from my family, given mm -hmm. that a lot of a lot of them are in the health and, and medical and science industries. It's it's all about, you know, what can you do to help other people? Mm -hmm. And with what I do and the way the world is today, where actors are, have also become advocates mm -hmm. and through social media have been given a bit of a voice, I don't want to waste that. You know, I, I have an opportunity to make a statement and to, to give voice and to give credence to things that matter that people might not know about or, you know, the issues that go forgotten in the world. And I'd like to do everything I can to support those things. You know, Girl Up for me is one that's really important because it's the it's the UN Foundation's Young Women's Empowerment Organization. Right. And they do such fantastic work all over the world in solving health and education and opportunity issues for women all over the world. And what's so unique about Girl Up is that they 
provide platforms for girls in developed countries to help girls in developing countries. So not only are they making a difference and having a massive success rate in their initiatives, but they're also giving kids the opportunity to make a difference in the world at a young age. And I know that's something I always wanted to do as a kid. You know, I, I always wanted to make a difference and, and really do something big, but I never knew how, you know, growing up in Missouri, I could affect change across the world. Right. And they're giving kids that chance and, and also instilling those values in them that they can take into adulthood. And I, I just think that's so important. Absolutely. And and wisely chose you as an ambassador. So good good to go for them. Um that that's uh, yeah, kudos to that. I think we need so many more people like you in the world who are willing to go out and do stuff like that because it is needed and and, and for you to be in a position that you're in and and do that is a wonderful thing. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm following in the footsteps of many people that have done that before me. You know, another organization that I I have gotten involved with it's sort of very close to my heart is the Big Slick and it's it was started by you know, Paul Rudd and David Koechner, Rob Riggle, Will Forte, Jason Sudeikis, Eric Stone Street, all of whom are from Kansas City. Fantastic, right. It's, it's, it's to support the local children's hospital there who, you know, do so many amazing things for families and, and don't charge if the families can't pay for care. And are, they're just really there to serve the community. And they do such incredible things. But, you know, they I've been a part of this organization for the last few years. And last year we had our 10th anniversary. And when they totaled everything up, not only did we raise $2.5 million in that weekend. Oh, there you go going to play with kids at the hospital, playing a softball game in the Major League Stadium, a big variety show and live auction in the 5,000-seat Sprint Center there. But over the last 10 years, they've raised over $10 million for this hospital. Oh, wow. That and is... what the whole big event, it only lasts for a weekend, but they bring back friends and people they've worked with and things from, you know, people from L.A. and New York in, in the industry that will volunteer their time to go to the middle of the country for a weekend and hang out with kids and play and be silly and do a variety <laughs> show and just have fun to raise money for a good cause. So you really end up with this incredible amalgamation of entertainers who are just there to, you know, do something good for the world and have a good time and, and hang out with people that they really enjoy. Absolutely. And it's such an amazing environment, and I, I, you know, I'm just trying to follow in, in their footsteps and continue this thing. Oh, I, I got to tell you, if there was one word somebody asked me to describe you with, it would be passion. I just, from talking about the shows you've been involved with, to education, to now the charity event, you have such passion in your voice when you speak of these things. It's amazing to, to, to see somebody like that have so much passion at a young age with so many different things in life. It's so refreshing to see. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, I, I'm very busy, and I'm... I... I do so many different things, but I really am passionate about them all. And I, you know, I, I give my time to the things that I, I think are really important and the things that I really care about. And I, I'm also a stubborn optimist. So that's, that I think is also part of it. Yes. Yeah. Positive vibes. It's always good to exactly. be. <laughs> so what do you have coming up? Where, where, what you got going on? You're going to be a part of the stand, right? Yes. I have a few other irons in the fire, but the stand is the next thing that's coming up. Um, we're shooting that right now. And I, I can't say much about it other than, you know, a lot of the cast is out, has been released as to who's a part of it. And yeah. I'm a huge Stephen King fan, you know, almost, almost if not maybe more so than I am a fan of other fandoms it, it's among my you know top five fandoms as it were and i am just so thrilled to be a part
part of it, but also to be on set and see that everyone else is is so into creating this world and mm-hmm. to going to the dark side and, and really seeing what we can make of it and how we can bring it to life in a really innovative and new and fun way where it's, it's such a rich world and, and they're really giving us every resource creatively that we need to, to really maximize our opportunity and, and make a show that's going to be so special and so rich and just it really bring the book to life in an amazing way. Awesome. There's that passion again. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just great to hear be so passionate about all the projects you like um but what we like to do at the end of every interview is because like we said at the beginning it's all about helping others break into the entertainment industry so what advice would you give an actor director writer anything like that trying to break into the entertainment industry and what pitfalls would you say to try to avoid i would give two main pieces of advice and i think the first thing is make sure you really love it and make sure that it's the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning and it's the one thing that you want to do more than anything else and the thing that you feel as though you have to do for the rest of your life Mm. Uh, because it's not always easy you know it looks like a glamorous life and it looks you know always wonderful and if you have that passion it is but you know there are times where you're covered in fake blood and sweat (laughs) and it's four in the morning and you're out in the cold in Canada absolutely or or you maybe have heard you know, 70 no's out of 80 auditions or 80 no's out of 80 auditions. And it it has nothing to do with you. It just has to do with how the industry works. And it's those times that if you have the passion for it and the Mm -hmm. tenacity and know that this is what you have to do with your life, that will get you through. And it will still be fun even in, in the more, in in the downs of the up and down roller coaster that this is. Absolutely. the other thing I would always say is, and then this is also kind of how the pitfalls to avoid, make sure you never lose that quality that makes you who you are and mm. makes you unique and makes you different. Yes. Because, you know, this industry often tries to put people in boxes and to, to put people into categories that, you know, have been predetermined by what is quote unquote typical. Right. But the thing that makes art and passion and creativity are coloring outside the lines and finding those ways to stand out and you know each person has something so unique that they can offer the world and especially when you're doing something creative you just can't lose that and through that you'll find the people that love that about you and that want to help you foster that and that you can help them foster their special qualities and and then it becomes this really beautiful community where you can be there for each other no matter how things are going for anyone good bad or indifferent absolutely wow fantastic advice i think i think that's that's great advice i think a lot of people are going to take that to heart and and listen to that uh i mean it doesn't get any better than that um where can people follow you because we want people to have more advice like that and we want people to follow you uh tell them where they can find you on social media uh, you can find me at cat underscore mcnamara on twitter cat dot mcnamara on instagram and i think it's official Catherine mcnamara on facebook Awesome, and we will make sure to direct everybody there for sure. Uh, listen, thank you so much for coming on the show and chatting with us. You have been an absolute gem. Really, just one of the most passionate, exuberant, uh, fun guests we've had. Yeah. It's just been a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. I'm actually really excited too because I'm I'm a huge podcast nerd, and now <laughs> I have another podcast to listen to. Awesome, yeah. yeah, go check it out. We've had a lot of fun with a lot of people, and you're just like it just added to the list, and we couldn't be more happy that you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much, you guys. You too. Have a great one now. You too. Bye-bye.
Bye bye. Wow, just what an intelligent individual, dude. Twenty five. I know. <laughs> like, like, right? Like, I, for anybody out there who thinks I'm too young or I, I, I can't figure it out in my early twenties, thirteen she yeah, started, exactly. and I mean, come on, man. She She's, knew from a very young age. Yeah, you said it though. Very educated, very well spoken, yeah. and clearly this woman has taken a passion for everything in her life and just has drive like coming out though. I don't know what, man. It's it's awesome. Yeah, it's, she, she reminds definitely. me of you, bro. Yeah, a young guy who has a lot of passion and fights for what he wants and 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 doesn't take no for an answer i, I mean you see like Catherine mcnamara but i'm telling you man listen j-lo fantastic Catherine mcnamara you can do it at a young age guys and gals <laughs> if you're listening it's inspiring do it get out there chase some dreams just do it do it do it thank you again Catherine mcnamara for coming on the show all right now it is time for our top five segment and oh man everybody loves going to the movie theater we love going to the movie theater with our regal unlimited app so good we use it like almost every week so we appreciate that sometimes multiple times during the week yeah hence unlimited exactly Exactly. It's so good. It's movie pass without all the bullshit. That's right. <laughs> Which finally, oh, we, yo, did we leave that one little out? That little tidbit. They finally filed bankruptcy. Just go the fuck away, right. movie pass. <laughs> go away. Bank fluffly. Um, but you know. <laughs> Regal, though. See, they got their shit together. We saw the promo for Regal last night, uh, Regal Unlimited really at, on the screen. So the superheroes. Yeah. It's, a, it's a superhero pushing Regal Unlimited. Yeah. It was badass. Yeah, they, they know got how their to shit together. They yeah. know how to capitalize. Uh, but this week, the top. Top five segment is top five movie snacks. What do you grab when you are at the concession stands about to go into the latest and greatest flicks? Uh, personally, <laughs> that was well done. Uh, thank you, that? thank you. Um, personally, uh, my top five. Uh, the least I grab, but every once in a while, uh, Sour Patch Kids, especially the watermelon ones. Mm. Mm, those are my bomb. Um, then I got popcorn, of course, the classic popcorn. Uh, who I mean who can't watch uh, movies with popcorn? I mean, even at home, we're popping popcorn on the, I love popcorn. on the, on the stove or in the microwave, popcorn. whichever or I, I love a popcorn. I love a popcorn. Uh, the smell I, of tasty butter. <laughs> <laughs> then I got M and M's because I'm a huge chocolate fan, which brings me to bunch of crunch, which uh, is my. Crunch bars are my favorite candy bar, so a bunch go. of crunch is just perfect. And my all-time number one is Twizzlers. I'm yes. a huge fan of Twizzlers. Delicious. Delicious. <laughs> uh, me, I'm I'm not and really never have been like a huge candy fan at the movies. Yeah. I'm just – you know, I, I'm not a huge candy fan anyway. I mean there, there's some – I like the chewy stuff but just not, not a huge candy fan. So I, I lean the other way. I will go for a slice of pizza occasionally. Yeah, yeah. yeah number five, pizza. Um, pickles. No, oh. I love movie theater pickles. Do they sell pickles? They I didn't do. Know that. Yeah, they, they, they're, they're like those giant dill pickles, yeah. bro. They're like, yeah, they're really good. Did not know. Although, that. You, you, I mean, you better be ready because yeah. that you, that eye goes <laughs> all twitching right. and uh. like that's some serious dill in them dill pickles yeah. at the movie theater. And of course, like you said, popcorn, popcorn. Yep. Who doesn't want a hot dog? Like, yeah, hey, you know, a little good hot dog. It's good if you're a little hungry. But the go-to. <laughs> The go-to for me is always nachos and cheese. Mm. Nachos with cheese, 
And for me, the jalapenos on top. Yeah. Got to have the jalapenos or it's just not the same. Yeah. You can mix it up. You can do those Dorito nachos that they have now at the theaters with the cheese or or just your regular nachos. Or whatever, but you got to throw the jalapenos on there. Got to have the jalapenos. <laughs> got to have the jalapenos. Otherwise, it's not nachos and cheese. Oh, my goodness. All right. It's pretty good snacks. Yeah. Now I'm hungry, folks. I know. Shit. <laughs> Uh, what are we having for breakfast? Uh, That's right. Now it is time for the box office recap. Oh, man, a lot of good content out. And mm. this, the first one is the one that just keeps on chugging, which we still need to go see. We just got a text message from Tavia. Everybody remembers Tavia from yes. our previous episodes, our writer at Crazy Ant Media. Shout out to her. Uh, she just said that Bad Boys for Life is cinematically beautiful. The DP was on point and that it was just a great story. So we got to go see it, man. That sounds like we do. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. But yeah, Bad Boys for Life, number one, uh, with 34 million. I only predicted 25 to 30 million, so it outdid my predictions. Go you. Um, Number two was 1917, which I got wrong. I flip-flopped with number three. (laughs) Uh, It came in with 15.9 million. Number three was Doolittle with 12.1 million. Uh, number four was The Gentleman, which I thought was going to be number three, but our number four, or number five, numbers, <laughs> um, it came in with 10.6 million and Jumanji Next Level, which I didn't even think was going to be in the top five, but that is also one that just keeps on chugging. Oh, yeah. With, uh, 7.7 million. So, only one I got right was number one, but I got... The few that were in the top five. So four out of the five that were in the top five. So it's all good. It's all yeah, good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good content out, guys. Good content out. We got movies you can still go see. I mean, you got The Turning, which is mm. with uh, Finn Wolflin there from Stranger Things. Yeah, that, that creepy-ass horror really movie. Creepy, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Gentleman, which we saw last night, which was really freaking good, man. And to talk about an original story. I mean, seriously. And if you're a cinephile, if you love film, yeah. you will love it. Because the, the entire film, the premise, it's basically a pitch. Yeah. This, this guy is making a film pitch to Miramax, and he's telling this gangster story. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I think you guys will love it. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, of course, Jumanji The Next Level, Frozen 2, Knives Out, still in some mm, theaters. Also brilliant. Uh, Bombshell, still in some also theaters. Also brilliant. Uh, <laughs> Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. So fantastic. Uh, like a Boss. I haven't seen it. And, uh, you know, uh, 1917, <laughs> Bad Boys for Life, uh, Just Mercy, <laughs> Doolittle, and I mean, so much stuff yeah especially guys, just mercy do yourself a favor go see non-tent pole films yeah go see just mercy go see bombshell go see if you can still find it motherless brooklyn see knives out see the gentleman these are brilliant films guys mm. if if you're truly a movie lover go see these movies because they're entertaining they're great stories great acting just like i feel like give them a chance you know and then j-lo will get them all right next time because they'll actually be making money and then you know like exactly the money they deserve exactly go see these films uh new movies that we got coming out the rhythm section with blake lively where she's basically a badass oh yeah Um, so that one looks really good and gretel and hansel with uh the girl from the latest It reincarnation. Mm-hmm, she is mm-hmm. in this one. This one looks pretty creepy as well. So, I mean, like I said, there, there's some good scary movies that look like are out right now. Yeah, so go check those out. Definitely. It's so funny because Bloomhouse kind of like just 
reinvigorated the horror industry, they right? Have. Like, and everybody's just been kind of like you know killing it with it, with it. and yet. Now everybody jumped on his bandwagon and they're pushing out all these horror yeah. movies and he's had a couple of flops. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's like, oh shit, I, I, I reinvented this thing and I, it was huge and now everybody's capitalizing and I'm kind of like, oh shit. Oh, so, you know, it hopefully is. it turns around for Bloomberg because he's a great producer and a great Agreed. filmmaker. But I just thought that was funny. He's like brought horror back right. and now everybody's doing horror and he's kind of missing. So. Agreed, agreed. Uh, number one, I think will still be Bad Boys for Life with around 15 to 20 million. Number two, I think will be 1917 with around 5 to 10 million. Number three, I think will be Doolittle with around 5 to 10 million. Those two are going to be on each other's heels. Uh, number four, I think, will be the Rhythm Section with 5 to 10 million. And number five, I think, will be Gretel and Hansel with around 3 to 5 million. So let's see what happens, man. Yeah, Hopefully man. That's going to be a, That's a tricky week. It is. I mean, it is. I, it just like, I, I always feel like between January and March, trying to predict what's going to happen at the box rough. office is a nightmare, it's man. Rough. It's It's a horror movie. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> like, I just, uh, it's hard, man. Exactly. A recent Bloomhouse horror movie. That's yeah. right. <laughs> oh, man. Just kidding, man. We love you. Hopefully, Fantasy Island does well. Yeah, we right. love Lucy Hale. Come on the show, Lucy. I missed you in New Orleans at New Year's this year. It was horrible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I just, I mean, I, I hope it does well for him yeah was she know. at new orleans i thought she's no she was in new york up. that's yeah. what i'm saying she went to new york yeah. this time but we for the last two or three years and we were uh i was in new orleans and she was there and it was great but you know now she's in new york moving up moving, moving up. on up good for her good for her <laughs> come on the show right like <laughs> now it is time for the imdb pro top trending segment oh man this whole show is because of imdb pro we love this freaking thing. dude everybody loves it right we we we, it, we got a Great interview with Runaways, Marvel's Runaways. Kevin Weissman coming up references it in the interview, right? Yeah. We're watching Kevin Smith on fucking Seth Meyers last night. He says, I consulted IMDb. Like, guys, everybody fucking loves exactly. IMDb. It don't matter whether you're us, whether you're superstars, whether you're not even in the industry or could get everybody fucking loves IMDb. Exactly. Bro. If you're an up and comer in the entertainment industry, you need to have this app. It is so worth it, man. So worth it. It is. Seriously, it's like the best twenty bucks a month I spend. Agreed. Like, I mean, it is. Agreed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that commercial for IMDb Pro brought right? to you by brought to you by inside the crazy handphone. <laughs> Top trending movie this week is 1917. Been hearing a lot of good things about this one, man. Sam Mendes just killing, killing it. Killing it. Uh, so, I mean, really got to check this one out. Top trending TV show on Netflix is Sex Education, which apparently is pretty good. I've heard yeah, things from yeah. like word of mouth that it's pretty good. Got picked but, back up, so I yeah. mean, I'm guess I'm guessing it's so funny because in the rundown I didn't like say because it, it separated for whatever reason. I just top TV show sex. Yeah, I'm like what the fuck? Uh, I, I haven't heard this. What what TV show is this? <laughs> like, but then I saw Education, uh, uh, Education. You know, you know. Yeah, but yeah. you know people are horny motherfuckers. That's so. true. I mean, you know, would it be surprising if the top TV show was sex? Right. No, it wouldn't be. No. Hosted no. by Dr. Ruth Weston. Right, exactly. Oh, my goodness. How you get to the top of the ratings? Oh, my goodness. Uh, the top trending star is Annabella oh. Cer- 
what uh, Annabella Shiora and um yeah, kind of feel bad now about making sex jokes and because I think the reason that Annabella is um trending right now at the top is because she just testified about being raped by Harvey Weinstein. Oh, really? was, yeah, at the at the trial or whatever. So mm. that's crazy. Mm. And hopefully that finally fucking happens because this man needs to be put to jail like longer than Bill Cosby. Uh. It, oh, like I mean, I feel like the least that's gonna happen is he's gonna drain his money dry through the fucking court system, like with lawyers and shit, which yeah. is still ridiculous because he deserves to be in jail. He does. This guy is an absolute scumbag piece of shit, and uh, he he needs to be in jail, and he needs to die in jail. Exactly. My opinion: this motherfucker needs to go to jail for life. Exactly. And he needs to fucking die in there because I, I mean, people need to stop letting him executive produce on shows and movies because he was just executive producer for The Upside that came out with Brian Cranston and uh, Kevin Hart. So that he just it needs to stop, guys. Who cares? Don't take his money because he is a piece of shit motherfucker. Yeah, and you know what? Another thing that that just about that trial, boy, this like spun. But uh, it, what? But I want to say it anyway, though, because I, you know, I, I I saw some of that and read a bunch of stuff about it, and they just were brutally attacking. Annabella Shiora. Really? Like, we gotta stop making the victims yeah, the bad guys exactly. in these cases, guys. Like, you know, they ripped her when she said, I don't remember exactly, or I'm not sure about this. And then they were like, well, then you're lying. You're making it all up. What do you mean you don't remember this? You don't remember... It's like, guys... It's traumatizing. Exactly. You know, it, it rape victims. It's not surprising that they forget some stuff because they don't want to remember it. Exactly. So just we gotta stop making victims the bad guys. Agreed. It's yeah, Harvey Weinstein's the fucking dipshit bad guy. Agreed. Like let's let's keep it that way. Agreed. Agreed. Well, anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and getting crazy with us on Inside the Crazy Amp. Wow. Yeah, thanks for letting us put in our two cents because we have a platform to do it. And That's I mean, right. Of course, we're just going to say the right upstanding things to say. Um, thank you again to our guests for coming on the show, Catherine McNamara. Oh, my gosh, what a phenomenal interview that was. Oh. And I'm sure all the fans really enjoyed it because – who she's just such an upbeat, positive person, like you said earlier. I, amazing, amazing person. So glad we got to talk to her. Shining example of 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 a woman in charge. Yeah. You know, talk about women empowerment. Brought up properly by women. It, you know, it goes out, girl up, all the kind of stuff she talked about in the interview. Just like you know, good for her. Definitely. We need more like her. Definitely, definitely. Make sure to follow her on social media uh, at Catherine McNamara on twitter and instagram be sure to follow us on social media the company and podcast at crazy ant media all over uh social media platforms and us personally myself at jlo fantastic and crazy ant guy 1970 that's right, that's right. <laughs> and be sure to subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast we're on anchor apple Podcasts, spotify google play music iHeartRadio, YouTube, and many more, guys. We are everywhere. Be sure to subscribe everywhere. Yes. Uh, be sure to visit our website, crazyantmedia.com, where we have the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. Just click on our merchandise tab, and you can start shopping and looking a little crazy because, I mean, you know who doesn't want to look a little crazy every now and then. <gasps> we forgot. Oh, my gosh. We forgot. I'm so glad you brought that back up. It's her birthday. 
It was. It was her birthday yeah. yesterday. Yeah. We got to give the shout out, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, Happy, Happy birthday, birthday Oprah! Oprah!